Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. If this story was any good, maybe you people would understand it. You don't even understand the story. It only goes over everybody's head. How great can it be? Maybe they need to talk more during these matches. Rich Crage. This is my entire life's goal is to be a WWE superstar. And now I am the NXT women's champion. You can take that. If you want that, great. Good for you. I want to talk about getting roadhead. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want out of my wrestling. Call me old fashioned, Joe. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what is happening? How are you? I see you went with the uh, intro where I'm screeching. If the story's so good, <laughs> why doesn't anybody understand it? It's a good Man. one. Man. Oldie you know, when, when I hear my, Oldie when I hear when I hear myself back, I really am annoying. You t- yeah, you, you say that all the time about your intro. Yeah, you you claim to go back and listen to all these episodes. But then I'll put stuff in the intro. I put the money thing in there. I got you screeching about the Roman Reigns story. And I don't know. You, you, every time you're like, ah, that's really annoying. I don't know why anybody listens to this show. <laughs> it's, I, I agree. I don't disagree with that. But uh, you say you listen back to these shows. But I don't know. Do you, do you not pick up I on do. the annoyance at the back, time? Or I listen back to every show. Maybe it's more annoying out of context when it just hits you like that. Maybe. Like, yeah. Or the distance. Yeah. Or you're like, what, what is that guy yelling about? Well, it's always like, yeah. it's pretty funny. That that's how we decide to start the show. Like, that's our intro is just you screeching like a banshee about, you know, the Roman Reigns story not being good or whatever. It's just like, imagine a first time listener just being like, what in the fuck is this show? But uh, really they keep coming. The tone, they keep honest. coming, man. You know? yeah, we, got, um, you know. we got the Spotify numbers and the, the new fans are keep coming. New people listening all the time. Spotify numbers were eye-opening. They were. I gotta say, I mean, that's only one podcast. That's only just here. Spotify. That doesn't count right. Apple Podcasts, doesn't count uh, Google Podcasts, which is going away. It doesn't count YouTube, doesn't count people that just subscribe on the RSS feed or whatever. But still, those are good numbers. Good growth going on. Yeah. You would think it would mirror some of the other outlets. I mean, why wouldn't it? You know, so. Um, yeah, I don't know. The thing about the podcast business is none of us know how many people are listening to any of these fucking shows. That's the bottom line. <laughs> Nobody knows anything. Um, I suspect that nobody's listening to any of these shows, but in the context of who's listening to what shows, we had some nice growth last year. Um, you know, but who knows? Those numbers might just be they might just be pulling those numbers out of their ass like everybody else does. So I don't know. Remember the great podcast number crash of like 2016? Oh, do I? Oh, do I? That was fun. For a pure behind the curtain, uh, we on our our previous podcast uh, uh, provider, one day overnight, our numbers just boom. They just went nuts. They were going crazy. Everything was off. By by percentage, I would say 80% drop. (laughs) Right. And so we're we're like, what? We bring this up to them. 
and we're like, hey, uh, something's wrong with their analytics. Like you're showing tremendous, like insane growth <laughs> that I know that we're not doing. We're not yeah. doing 80%, you know, month over month uh, on our podcast views. They, on the other hand, we're like, That's, you guys should congratulate yourselves. It's obviously working. Whatever you're doing is working. And we're like, no, <laughs> no, these numbers are not real. We're not going to go with these numbers. And they're like, well, that's the numbers we're selling to advertisers. And we were like, great. You know what? Sell those numbers to the advertisers. Great numbers, guys. Thank you. All hands you're, on. Yeah. You know, hands in. Go team. Right. Once, once they said that, we're like, well, you're right. We are doing a great <laughs> yeah, job. Right. Carry on. growth. You are right. Carry on. Tell yes. HelloFresh that is the case, that we are up 80% or Blue Apron. or right. Tell them all that we're up 80% year over year. But, yeah, we, we then told everybody that was doing a podcast on the network, here's the numbers you're going to see. All these numbers are wrong. <laughs> we're positive they're wrong. There's no way they're right. So just assume that there's funny math going on and just do what you're doing and and, and don't worry about it and and whatever. And then very quickly, maybe two years after that, uh, there was this this powwow of all the podcast providers and advertisers or whatever that basically said, we need to figure out a way to regulate these numbers because these are out of control and everybody's lying. And then overnight, uh, that 80% drop, uh, 80% plus turned into an 80% drop. And we said, okay, yeah, that's probably where we're at is more these numbers, which were still very good, but we knew that we, there were not... I mean, they were telling us that like 48,000 people were listening to the show within like the first 12 hours that it was launched. And we're like, no, they're not. I wish that would be great. I would love that. But that is not true. And then like there was one where it was like in the six digits after like a week. And I was like, there is no chance in hell that that many people are listening to this show. Like Bill Simmons, we're coming for you. (laughs) We're, we're, We're nipping at Joe Rogan's heels over here, baby. Let's go. But those are the numbers they were giving to. Uh, the advertisers, so we were like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, who are we to argue? Yeah, right. That's, that's, so. Sounds like great business to us. Uh, and then, yeah, then the guy who was in charge of the company, I think he left and the whole, yeah. So, and, well, you know, it wasn't just um, audio boom. Was it audio boom at the time? I be- yeah, well, not to, no, there you go. Might have yeah. been one of the ones before that. I don't remember. But um, we've been through a few. But whoever we were with, it wasn't just them. It was an industry wide thing. Yeah, everybody kind of thought, "Hey, just... let's get funny with this and see if anybody notices." And for a while, everybody was kind of like, "Hey, this is good. This is great." But then everybody noticed, and then it was it was over. Yeah, I still don't think anybody knows who's listening to these. I no. mean, you know, it's it's so, you know, I, I, how can there be one uniform number when you'd have to have all these different podcatchers working together to put together a number like that, wouldn't you? I mean. How it's just anyway, I don't want to get too in the weeds with it. I just don't think anyone really knows how many people are listening to any of these fucking shows is is the point. Um, but uh, how do we even get on that? Oh, I don't remember. But anyway, no, we're, we're talking about the growth that we've done year over year. Things are going things are going well over here. Tremendous growth. Whatever they tell us, I'll I'll believe. Unless sure. it's bad, then I'll you're full of shit. <laughs> right. Negative? Uh, no, that can't be right. That's impossible. Yeah. So, um, so much to talk about. I mean, this, this, we took a week off. Number one, number two, so much shit has happened in the, uh, in, in the last week, let alone the, the, the week that we, uh, that we skipped, uh, uh, CM Punk rich showed up at the survivor series. Yes, that did. happened. The survivor series event took place, which probably there was a good chance that would have let off anyway. Then CM Punk appeared on raw, uh, a bunch of other CM Punk news dropped. QT Marshall has left AEW, and there's more to that story than people might think. Uh, we got the all-in tickets that went on sale. We still haven't talked about the Observer Hall of Fame results. 
We've got uh, the AEW Continental Classic in full swing. Two other tournaments, New Japan World Tag League, All Japan Real World Tag League. You didn't think I was going to let MLW Fightland slip through the cracks. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm glad We're you did. reviewing. You know to give you a little bit of a hint, I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you let uh, well, us. Yeah, that, I'm yeah, glad listen, you brought it up. Who else if not us? Right. So has anyone has anyone else reviewed that? Uh, I'm going to guess no. I'm not even going to look, but I'm going to guess no. I'm Dave guess, Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, did they review uh, MLW they did Fightland? They not get down on MLW Fightland. No, I, I don't think so. Maybe, about, maybe, uh, maybe Alvarez about, and Lawlor did on the uh, you know Wrestling Observer or whatever the heck, uh, whatever one they do. Uh, figure Four Daily or whatever. Maybe they did, but I don't think so. How about Pollock and Ting? Did they review uh, Fightland? I do not believe Post Wrestling uh, covered MLW Fightland. No, I do not believe they did. How about uh, uh, Keller and, and Rich Fan or whoever the hell he works with now? Did yeah, they I don't know. Well, yeah, Todd Martin, Fightland. you know. Wrestling Observer, speaking of the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, Todd Martin does it. I don't no, I don't I don't think they did. I can double check if you need. I don't know for sure about those ones, but I'm guessing uh they did not break down Alex Kane and Jacob Fatu okay. uh, for MLW Fightland. So yeah. Did Fightful and one of their forty seven review teams take care of Fightland uh, at you some know, point? I don't know if they have an MLW uh, uh team. So no, I don't believe they did either. Okay. So hmm. listen, if not us, then who hmm. is what I'm trying to say here. Hmm. Like who's gonna review MLW Fightland if we don't? So a packed show. I don't know how we're going to do all this in three hours. So, if st- of course, there's no other place to start than to do a commercial because we have <laughs> rolled out. Uh, uh, come on. We got to put this. Top. I knew you were so, going that direction, too. I was like, there's no there's no way he finishes this little diatribe without then talking about the notebook. So go ahead. Now, finally, after years of saying that we should do it. And I have no idea why we haven't. And by the way, these things are quite literally flying off the shelves. I don't know how our great partners at Redbubble are even going to keep up with the demand at this point. And people think I'm fucking around, but I'm not. These things, you know, we're not going to give out this uh, these proprietary numbers here, but they are, you know, they are flying. You better get them while you can. The official <laughs> supplies are podcast. limited. I don't know if they are limited, but let's do it anyway. Limited quantities. Supplies are limited. Go now. Purchase now. Yeah, you know, you're not much of a salesman. Sir. Nah, nah. You know why? You got to blow it up. Tell them the supplies are limited. <laughs> then they'll they'll buy the damn thing. My God, Krejci. But uh, we have sold many units already of the official The Notebook. I mean, you've heard us talk about The Notebook, what? For how many years now? 12, 13 years talking about The Notebook. Oh, that match? That's a notebook match. Ah, nothing from that show went in The Notebook. Well, now you can have your very own flagship podcast the notebook tell them how they can get it rich that's how you can do it yeah so for people that maybe are, are, are new to the show and maybe because i there are some people that are always like what is no i don't i don't get it so it all derives from you quite literally rating matches in a notebook like an actual physical spiral notebook you grab a notebook some people use spreadsheets some people you know just kind of use like the grapple app for a while uh when that was around people use that you are Pen and paper, and you've been pen and paper your entire life, right, in terms of, of rating matches and, and, and writing stuff down or whatever. Pen and paper. So if a match is good, you, you open up your notebook, you click that pen, and you write it in, and you put a little rating next to it, and that, that is your Bible. You go back to that all year long, uh, all during these shows, during your notebook roundups on, on, on flagshippatreon.com uh, every month. Notebook roundups, by the way. So that is where it all comes from, is that you physically use a notebook, and then you just started to say, that got put in my notebook, I put that in my notebook, I put it in my notebook. Then we just kind of started saying notebook matches to be a match that was over four stars. And now it's in the lexicon. Right. I see people all the it time is. doing it. I don't even know if there's people. Right. I'm 
I I am guessing there are people that use it that have no idea exactly where it came from. I, I really truly Correct. believe. It. I think at this point it's gotten to a you know because I don't know the last time that we sort of explained it like that. And I, there's people that I know that I've seen it and said it in the wild, and I know that they don't. I, I I'm pretty sure that they don't listen to us or they don't know. So it's being passed down. It's kind of being spread, and and that's cool. I I love that. But now it's time for us to make some fucking money off of it. So let's go. Voices of Wrestling dot com slash flagship merch is how you're gonna be able to do that. Voices of Wrestling dot com slash flagship merch is how you can get your the notebook official notebooks uh, as well as some other flagship and flagship Patreon related merchandise as well. We're not getting into. The, I don't really want to get in the t shirt game. We'll see what happens over time. Right now, you can get notebooks. You can get mugs. You can get some phone cases. I think that's about it. We're we're sticking with the notebooks. The mugs are done kind of funny. The phone cases was done ironically, and I'm glad somebody picked it up because you are not a phone case guy. I'm not a phone case guy. So I only made the flagship podcast in a, available in a phone case, and one person picked up and it said, ha, it's hilarious that you guys are one selling phone cases when you don't use phone cases. They nailed it. They got it. That's the only reason I picked that because I thought it would be funny. But otherwise, notebooks, mugs, stuff like that. We're going to start out nice and simple. November to remember stickers as well. Those are uh, flying off the shelves as well. The November to remember stickers doing quite well. Very good price point for all those things. We're not taking huge margins on these. They're pretty affordable. I think uh, Redbubble, the site we're using right now, uh, has a sale. So if you're going to get on there right now, I believe it's 20% off. So normally I think these things are about 12 to $14 depending on where you live. 30% and... off. Is that 30% off? God damn, Redbubble. All right. Hold the on notebook- a minute. The notebooks are currently 30% oh, off. Shit. That's I think that's cut nope. into our bottom line. I didn't agree to that. <laughs> what the fuck? What are they doing? I didn't say I wanted thirty percent off. Jesus. All right. Anyway. There, are, there are six different designs to choose from. Uh, you can get it with. Look, look. I recommend the one that says the Notebook on the card. I mean that that I mean because that's what it is. It's the Notebook. So, uh, but you want one that says the uh, the flagship. You want one that says the flagship Patreon. Go for it. Comes with a black cover, a white cover. Uh, the phone case, yes, was an inside joke. So if you want to run around with a flagship phone case, uh, go ahead. But yes, that was uh, those have not most sold definitely as well as the other ones. That's fine. <laughs> no, those <laughs> that's plenty fine. of those plenty of phone cases still on the shelves, <laughs> right, from right. what we understand. But the uh, yeah, the notebook. It was about time we've been kicking this idea around for at least five years. And what happens is you kind of have to sell these things before January because yes. people want to track their matches. You want to track them all year long. So, you know, finally, we, we got us ahead of dummies, this. Us dummies always think of this idea in, like, February, and then it's way too late yeah. to do it. And then we're like, ah, yeah, at least in March or whatever. That's not going to work. So, right. Yeah. So, you know, may, you know, maybe I'll pick up one of these notebooks. You know, we'll see. I, I got one in the mail. Time I got one in the mail already. Notebook. Why not? Why not? Yeah, I got one yeah. in the mail. It's just so, a free one, uh, honestly, but that's fine, you know. You know, unbelievable. Why do we have to buy it? <laughs> know, that doesn't I, make I any sense. It. Send me one for God's sakes. Give me a discount. Give me a heavy discount. Let me buy it at cost, guys. Jesus Christ. I got to buy full it's price. my item. Yeah. Look at the chat. Look at all these happy customers. Just got my notebook. Purchased mine. I got the black cover. So, um, yeah, as I Aaron said. Aaron Quinn said, my entire one. family called me to ask if I purchased one yet. So it's starting to get out yeah. of the I mean, it's out in the wild now. Well, People know about that's it. That's right. That's it's a dubious comment, but we'll roll with it. And, <laughs> I'm sure uh, Aaron would never lie you know, to us. Yeah. We got, we got, you know, but, but yeah, you're right. Like I I've seen, that's definitely part of the wrestling lexicon. Now you see people say notebook match and, and whatnot that a hundred percent came right here from us. I mean, there, you know, that's one of many things that we have influenced in the, uh, in the smart lexicon. And uh, now you can own a piece of it. 
uh, don't buy one. I mean, you're going to rate matches for your entire life. So go ahead and just buy 10 of them. So you're covered for the next and decade. The holiday season is right around the corner. I buy for everybody. Yeah. Buy for every, everybody on your list is asking for wrestling branded spiral notebooks this year. And we got yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like that. It's the hottest item. You know how some years it's like the Furby tickle me Elmo or whatever. This year it's wrestling niche wrestling podcast branded spiral notebooks are all the rage this Correct. year. So That's what I know I'm your kids are, are we're asking for them. They're in luck. I mean, it's going to be fantastic this year. Yeah. Make the whole family happy uh, this year with a, a niche wrestling podcast branded spiral notebook. Uh, well, you know, my wife has already committed to buying a mug because uh, when I when I showed her all this, she said, oh, how cute. Your little podcast has little items. It was her exact. <laughs> how moment. demeaning. Unbelievable. So, yes. Yes. So, I'm like, hey, listen, that little podcast is paying half these bills. All right, ma'am. OK, you don't have to you don't have to you have to emasculate me, uh, you know, in front of the children. Yeah, I mean, yikes, my God, man. But uh, but, uh, you know, she, she, well, she works in an office. Why does she buy one for everybody? That, what, what a secret Santa. You know, you, you get they, they do the secret yeah. Santa or maybe their office has a white elephant. Just buy them all mugs. Buy them all flagship mugs. I agree. I mean, you know, I, I think it'd be a great gift for everybody in the office. So I know they're all big listeners. So. <laughs> oh, of course. I hope hopefully not. Uh, Jesus Christ. Hopefully the, not. The, the whole gang over there. Yeah. Uh, Shani, where does this Tickle it. Me Lanza when? Uh, that's going to be a while until we do Tickle Me Lanza. But, uh, you know, hey. When rents do or bills get tough, then, eh, you know. Yeah, that, you know, yeah, you got to do what you got to do, you know. I, I yeah, But over at that bank, I know they're all big listeners. In between handing out loans to farmers to build new <laughs> barns, they're all, uh, you know, the drive to uh, is, is, going rich. You, you told me this, right? I, I think I didn't make this up that, like, guys will ask for, like, $200,000 in the drive through like, with their pickup truck and then sign the paperwork there and then drive away with, like, a loan. Yeah. Out here in the sticks, you never know who has money. You can't tell by appearances here, Rich. This is not the city. So, yes, you'll have guys drive up in 1978 Ford pickups and ask for cashier's checks for $250,000 so they can go buy some plows. Happens all the time. <laughs> uh, so, you know. <laughs> I love Which, the drive-through you know, transaction, too, for such a large transaction. Right. It like... won't even come in. Yeah. And then, then they have to explain, sir, you got to come in for that. You know, it's. it's, it's it's a lofty sum. We we might have to see some identification and whatnot. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, uh, you know, they see the tube gimmicks. I, I haven't been to a, 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 a. I haven't actually gotten anything at a bank in, in quite some time. Like I'll go to the ATMs, obviously, but uh, I don't think I've like made a deposit. You know, with the tube gimmick, is the tube gimmick still around, or have they have they since left the tube gimmick? The tube gimmick is still around. Believe okay. it or not, like, I, like I, a I have pill like thing, and you go okay. Yes, you, go. you do, <laughs> and you press the button. <laughs> then you're like, "Hello, Mister Crate, how are you today?" Like that <laughs> right. kind of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I need a deposit slip. All right, we're going to send one back. And then, yeah, they, they yeah, absolutely. Then it opens and you like, go, okay, there you go. Yeah. Like you, I have not stepped foot in a bank. Oh, in I need a pen. All decade. right, one moment, sir. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this goes on for 18 minutes before right. you've uh, completed your transaction. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Glad, glad to and hear. You can tell, and you can tell that the. You can tell when they're tired of losing their pens because it's like taped to a fucking uh, like like a uh, it's taped to a clipboard when it comes <laughs> yeah, back right, to you right, to, right. to ensure that. You know, <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm glad banks are still like that. that that's nice because yeah, they're they're starting to yeah. close a lot by me, man. I, I I think yeah, the days of of a physical bank are starting to uh, not at least around me are not doing very well. But uh, it's all right. Yeah, it's uh, I, I haven't stepped foot in one in a decade. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not I the got... one helping their business. I'm not, you know. Not yet. I mean, we're. I mean, everyone's still using. Like, 
has money in the bank. Yes, obviously. the institution of a bank is still necessary, but the actual physical walk in the building and sit down with, you know, a, 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 like I was able to get like a, a CD like online. You know what I mean? I just like went on to my Chase website and said, I want to open a CD. And they're like, yeah, sure. All right, here you go. I never had to step foot in a bank at all. And now I have a CD. I have, I have multiple CDs and it's fine. You know what I mean? Like, whereas before you have to sit down, you have to fill out this paperwork and the lady would come over and okay, well, you know, and then, you're not doing any of that now. Doing everything on an app has improved my investments like a million percent just because it's so low effort now to move money around to different things because you could do it on your phone instead of like, yeah, going to the deposit slip, the deposit sign papers like, oh, God, I would never, you know, forget (laughs) it. Uh, Don't let my wife hear any of this. Yeah. (laughs) God bless her. Yeah. Hopefully it keeps paying those bills. But But, uh, yeah, but. Yeah, of course, you know, one of the busiest wrestling weeks in years, and here we are a half hour deep and haven't talked about any of it because um, that's what we do here, Rich. Trying to sell we some do here, Rich fucking Grace. notebooks. Yeah, voicesofwrestling.com slash flagship merch, or you can go to redbubble.com and just look at the flagship podcast. You'll be able to find that uh, there as well. But voicesofwrestling.com slash flagship merch uh, is how you're going to be able to do that. So, all right, let, let's let's get into some of this wrestling. How about that? Yeah, and don't worry, we'll burn another twenty minutes pushing the Patreon. Oh yeah, yeah, that's show. coming. That's coming. Brett so, versus Owen just came out, man. I got a lot to talk about. You got great... co- so much content oh, on the yeah, Patreon. We were killing it last week, so yeah, you're gonna get that coming up soon. Yeah. But let's talk about Survivor Series 2023. Uh, the big story, of course, out of Survivor Series. We'll talk about the show itself here in a moment. Uh, but the big story was the return of CM Punk after the show. So you had the War Games match. Hinted that Randy Orton was going to be there, obviously, on, on, on SmackDown and, and Raw. But on the weeks prior, they kind of said, okay, Randy Orton's going to be the, the next, you know, the, the fifth guy on, on, on the babyface team. He didn't come out. And then people started to wonder, oh, maybe that means that CM Punk's going to come out or whatever. And I, I like how they did this. They had Randy Orton come out. And everybody was still happy that Randy Orton came out, but you could tell there was a little bit of like, oh, all right, we kind of thought it was CM Punk, and, and they kind of gave us a little bit of an idea that it was going to be CM Punk, but okay, that makes sense. It's Randy Orton. That's fine or whatever. And the people were still happy to see Orton, and then Orton did the match, and, and everything went well for the War Games, and then when it was over, they put the bug up, you know, classic kind of Triple H NXT takeover thing. They put the bug up. Some people start leaving the seats, like you think the show's over, the baby faces are all in the ring hugging or whatever. And then Cult of Personality hits, and CM Punk comes out to a monstrous, monstrous, monstrous pop, the likes of which you uh, have, have rarely ever heard uh, there at the Allstate Arena in Chicago. CM Punk comes out, looks around, looks around, looks around, and the show goes off the air. But uh, yeah, the the and we're going to talk about this because I think there's a, a very big difference in terms of how things felt after Saturday and how things felt after Monday. So let's start at Saturday, and then we'll work our way to Monday, but... After that was over on Saturday, I was watching live, and it was like, holy crap. Like, this is a gigantic move. And I even wrote about it on the Patreon. Like, this is a massive, massive, massive thing for Dota B to be able to get CM Punk back. Somebody that you never thought was going to come back to that company had said publicly he was never coming back to that company. That company made it pretty clear that they didn't want him back really anytime soon. You know, this is like the prior eight years or whatever, eight or nine years or whatever. Just felt like a complete impossibility that he would ever, ever, ever return to the company. And there he is, and I think they did it in a very good way. They did it in his hometown. They did it in Chicago. They did it after the match happened. So I think they they nailed it. When it was over on Saturday, you were like, God damn, WWE is lapping AEW. WWE is just doing everything right right now. They are just absolutely killing it. And 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 this is just yet another thing, another feather in their cap, another whatever you want to say, you know, another dent in AEW's armor. It was just a perfect you know, that the feeling after Saturday was like, God damn, these guys are just running up the score now. They're already leading, and now they're running up the score. 
I think things changed on Monday, and we'll get to that in a sec. But what did you think after you saw you know CM Punk coming out at Survivor Series and that sort of news before we get into the show itself, and then obviously Monday when when CM Punk finally talked? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't totally shocked, um, but it still felt surreal to see him coming out on the WWE show. Um, and you know, I know, I know Triple H in in the in the in the presser after the show said that the deal literally came together that day, and it was absolute last minute and all that. And, um, you know, Punk put out um, through his various sources the same. I, I Anyone who buys that is out of their mind. I mean, that, that, that deal did not come together at last minute. I think Meltzer said um, it 10 days ago or whatever. And that, and that I, I'll buy that. Well, good, well good, on, good, good, on, good on Dave, because that's utter nonsense. And there's so many obvious reasons. Now, first of all, I heard that Punk had a conversation with Nick Khan at least a month ago. I don't know if I, I don't remember if I ever talked about it. Uh, you did. Air. Yeah, I think on the show you did talk about it. Yeah, so I mean, you know, at least a month ago, I know that he had a conversation with Nick Khan. And I know that Nick Khan allegedly in that conversation really laid down the law with him. And, um, you know, we can get more into that later. But so this started a, a long time ago. And it, you just look, you know, they they they, um, they they were selling T-shirts at the show with his with the lightning bolts from his logo on it, like as as a little Easter egg kind of deal. So. Unless you're going to tell me those T-shirts were printed the day of the show, then it's preposterous that this deal came together the right. day of the and, show. Uh, uh, the- Living Color released a, a a new version of Cult of Personality, I believe, on Friday, which I'm sure they had to, uh, you know, <laughs> get in the – they had to record it and release it and master it and all that sort of stuff. And that released on Friday. So, yeah, that that was my kind of giveaway. When when that came up, I was like, oh, that's a little weird. Okay, I'm starting to uh- – Well, didn't, they, didn't WWE license the song – like a day, a day or two before. I think isn't so. that how something like that. So I, like, I think they either released a new one and then then sent it out or whatever, and it got released on Spotify or whatever. So I don't know exactly the timeline there, but that was yet another thing that was like they didn't call Living Color and say, "Hey, you guys have seven hours to make us a new song." Like I'm sure that was in motion a couple, uh, you know, a, a week or so ahead of time for sure. At, right. At the so, very so, least. There, so there's plenty of clues, and then you know all of the little subtle hints that were dropped on commentary over the last couple weeks. And now here, do I think that CM Punk signed the deal the day of the show? Yes, I do, because that's been his M.O. all along. He signed his initial AEW deal a half hour before he came through the curtain on Rampage. Uh, Then when he came back after the suspension, if you recall, there was the big blow up and dust up because he didn't want to be on the promotional materials for collision. Remember all that? Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. Much, this to, has been much his MO. to the detriment, probably, of the, the announcement of the show. Yeah, he 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 likes these things to be as much of a surprise as they can possibly be. That's been his MO every step of the way with all three of these returns since he left wrestling in, in you know the first time in 2013 or whatever it was. So, yeah, I, I believe that maybe the, the deal was finalized and signed and the, the, the T's crossed and the, and the I's dotted. At the building. The other reason that Punk probably does that is he wants these things to not be announced in advance, right? So he knows if he doesn't have a contract, these companies aren't going to screw him over and announce that he's coming and blow up his spot because they can't risk that because then he doesn't have to show up. Okay. So what he does is he says, all right, well, I'm I'm not going to sign anything until I physically get to the building. That way I know for certain that this can be done the way I want it done, which uh, which is unannounced, 
and as a surprise. So, yeah, from that standpoint, he probably signed it. I have no doubt that he signed the deal the day of Survivor Series. But do I think that this deal came together at the last minute the way they're trying to sell it? Absolutely not. There's too many clues to tell us that that just cannot be true. So, and the fact that I know he was talking to the company long before that. So uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that Dave said ten days out. Um, so you know, I thought you know I was gonna do some crack reveal some crack detective work here for everyone but but yeah good on dave if he blew that up because that's preposterous that the deal came together at the last second but yeah i mean it it felt surreal and it felt big and that night you're thinking man this is a massive massive l for AEW. they just look really really bad uh even though he had to go and there's no question Mm -hmm, he had to be fired you know it's still from a from a pr standpoint from a perception standpoint, from an optic standpoint, on Saturday night, you're just thinking, man, this is a just just keep piling it on with all the other perception issues that that company's having right now. This is not helping at all. But, uh, you know, as far as Punk goes, um, I guess this would tie more into uh, a conversation about the promo on Monday. But I think he is purely motivated in this scenario by the money, number one, and by sticking it to Tony Khan. Uh, I don't get the sense at all that his heart and his soul is into this WWE run, that this multi-year run that he has signed up for. We'll see if it lasts. Um, I think he will be on much better behavior because he knows they're not going to tolerate him because they don't need him. Right, uh, oh, and, and that, and I think that is the clearest thing that when I, you know, after Saturday, I, you know, we didn't do anything on Saturday. We didn't plan on doing an instant reaction live. I don't believe you were even watching the show live. I was sick that day, so the only reason I was I was home to actually watch the show is because I, I had plans to go out, and I just ended up staying home and watching it. But um, I wrote on Sunday morning about sort of what this all meant. I did that at, at flagshippatreon.com, ten dollars tier, by the way, uh, if you want to read that. And it was more the like I said, it was like a shock of all shocks. Another optics loss for AEW, WWE running up the score. But then, you know, as I'm kind of working through it, it's I'm also saying, okay, now we have to look at what's actually going to happen here with CM Punk is that, yes, he's in WWE. He has no leverage anymore. His leverage is gone. There is nothing left to do. For AEW, he always had a huge amount of leverage over them because he could say he could either leave he could go back to WWE if he really wanted to. He could just never come. Like, there was a lot of stuff that that he always knew that he had the upper hand on AEW. AEW needed CM Punk more than CM Punk needed AEW. You know what I mean? Like, I think he obviously wanted to be there, and there's no doubt that he was more than happy to accept the large amount of money that they were paying him, and there's no doubt that he wanted to come back to wrestling. But AEW always needed Punk more than Punk needed AEW. That is not the case anymore. WWE does not need CM Punk right now. Is it great to have CM Punk? It is fantastic to have him. I'm sure they're going to be more than happy to have CM Punk for however long they're going to have him for. But Punk needs them because he has nothing left. And if he wants to stick at Sony Khan, if he wants to prove everybody wrong, and we know that he's a very, you know, <laughs> very passionate guy in that sense of, of of trying to, you know, prove people wrong and 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 make you know make note of when people have wronged him or whatever, like. He's going to want, he needs them to be way, 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 way more than they need him. And I think he's going to have to know that. And I think they know that. And I'm sure that both parties know that and, and know that, look, you're on your last leash here, man. You fuck up. You do anything wrong. We can cut you immediately because we're not afraid to do that either. AEW, not the company that likes to do that. They like to let people see through their contracts. 
we don't need you. You know what I mean? You could just go, and we're just going to fire you tomorrow. Nick Khan could just walk. You know, hey, he didn't have to talk to the guy. Send him an email. Send him a text. You're fired. Here's your contract. Bye. Go leave. And and there's and there's going to be no recourse. Nothing. That's just how that company operates. They're cold and they're callous in that way. But that that you know works as a benefit sometimes, and it works as a negative other times. But a benefit would be that if CM Punk does anything, is annoying, gets in a fight, says any bullshit. WWE can just immediately get rid of them, and they're going to be fine. Their business is not going to suffer for it. They're not going to lose a television deal for it. I, I don't think their their ratings are going to plummet or whatever. They were perfectly fine without them, and they'll be perfectly fine. They'll be, they'll be great. They'll, hey, it's going to help them for sure, but they will be more than happy and just okay without them as well. So that leverage is completely gone for CM Punk. So I agree with you. I think he'll be on better behavior. I don't know what the best Punk behavior is, but I think he will certainly be on better behavior because he just he simply has to. There's nowhere else to go. Because once WWE says, all right, we're done with you, pal, he's done. He, his wrestling career is over. There's nowhere else to go unless he wants to go to the, M- the world of MLW or he wants to cross the line with TNA. He can do that. But Well, you know, TNA made him an offer. And, you know, that's, that's another thing I wanted to talk about. I don't want to get too far off the beaten track here. But, um, you know, TNA did make him an offer, and it looks like, TNA, it looks like Anthem is willing to throw big money around and try to get a difference maker because now word is coming out that they thought they had a shot at Will Ospreay too. And, you know, credit to Will Ospreay for a guy who has a reputation for not being very bright. He played his free agency as well as anyone could have played it. He did all of these bucket list things, like he's checking off items on a list and making it look like he was going to wrap up his you know, independent uh, wrestling career, so to speak. He made sure he went to TNA and had a great time there and cut all these promos and said that he'd love to come back. And then he got them in the mix and got them to make an offer. He was bantering with Seth Rollins on Twitter and making it look like, you know, WWE was a real possibility. And the fact of the matter is, whether WWE or Impact were legitimate real possibilities or not, he created a perception that they were. So it really doesn't matter whether... He simply used those scenarios for leverage or whether he really was considering all options. The bottom line is to Tony Khan, all of those options were on the table. And then Tony Khan used his exclusive negotiating period that he had granted to him by New Japan, which the other, you know, WWE didn't have that luxury. And he hammered it out and he got the deal done and he got the guy in. But they uh, they made an offer to Punk as well. and. You know, it, it shows that TNA, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe they'll make an offer to Sasha Banks because she's the next, you know, major free agent to fall here. And, you know, it shows that, look, we have another player, at least they feel we know this now. We know that they feel like they could afford one big time major player. We know that at minimum because they've made offers to two of them. So um, now would one of these major stars go to TNA while they have offers on the table from AEW or WWE, probably not because there's obviously limited growth opportunity there and limited visibility. And it's not purely just money. These people have egos too. And if you go to TNA, you're completely off the grid. You know, you're wrestling on Axis uh, uh, TV or whatever that channel is. What is that called? Is it called Axis? Axis, yeah. yeah Axis TV. You're yeah. on fight uh, sometimes on pay-per-view, you know. It, it, so, yeah, it's... it's yeah, and it, it's... You're, you, you know, you may as well, you know, so from that standpoint, you know, and, and, and you know, you're a big fish in a, in, a, in a tiny pond and, you know, eventually someone's going to take their money, though. 
someone it's going to be the right situation and someone's going to take their money i, I would have loved for but, Punk um, to have gone there honestly like it would have like honestly if you're going to be really about you know, really want to walk the walk and talk the talk or whatever that would have been an ultimate move there is to go, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, I'm going to go here and I'm going to raise these guys up. He knew, oh, I knew he wasn't going to do that because, and, and we're going to talk about that with, with after the promo on Monday, but that would have been a really, really cool moment to be like, all right, look, I don't want to go back to WWE because of a lot of reasons, but you know what? Fuck it. I'll go to TNA. I'll raise the water level of TNA or whatever. Like, he was never in a world, in a million years going to do that, but I think it would have been fun, even if only, if, even if doing it for three or four months or whatever, even just doing it for a little bit, I think that would have been really, really cool. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, there, there, there was no chance that anyone's going to do it, but somebody might take the money. Hey, you know what you got to ask you know what that i'm glad that tna is at least in the room sending those offers asking people even if they know they're going to get a no from most of those people you never know one of them might say you know what fuck it yeah let's do it let's try it hell trinity we we go back to that that was a a shot in the dark in a lot of ways of hey you know what maybe she's never going to want to come here because she's only known one thing and she signed up and she's been you know very good for tna she's helped them out a lot she's she's certainly you know raised their live attendance and i think there's been a lot of buzz uh, around her i mean how, how how much sustainable buzz that is anything to get them to the next level no absolutely not but i think it was one that hey you got in the room you asked the person they said yes and and yeah it, you know good for them yeah i wouldn't consider her a big time free agent or anything but it, it's certainly you know uh someone with some name value coming in but someone's going to take their check eventually and, uh, and it's going to be interesting who it is now knowing that they can be in the game for some of these bigger free agents but punk look he um that promo on Monday, I mean, you know, forget comparing it to Saturday, which felt electric. Well, that was in Chicago. Okay. Um, he shows up Monday to, I think it was Nashville. Nashville. Yep. And they, they saved the promo for the end of the show. And it, it did pop that quarter hour uh, above and beyond what that quarter hour would normally do. And and obviously Monday did, did a monster rating 1.884 million viewers um, way up year over year, way up over last week. So, um, you know, but the promo itself was so lifeless and listless and heartless and soulless. When you compare it to the, his return promo on Rampage, it's like almost a different human being. Like the CM Punk on Rampage, you could tell was full of excitement. And I, you know, I, he couldn't, you know, he's he looked excited to be back. And he was just yelling. You know, Remember when he was walking out of the ring, he was just screaming the entire time. He just yelled. And just the look in his eyes, like he was dead behind the eyes on raw. Yes, you know, he it's, was. It's, yes, he was. He, he looked like someone who was just taking a check and, and um, he literally said, I'm here for the money. I mean, that could be part of whatever storyline they're telling or gimmick they're going to do. But I mean, he literally said that after his promo was over. And it just, the promo didn't have the life or the heart or the soul that it had when he returned on Rampage. Because I don't think he feels anything being no. back there. No, I agree. I mean, he could, he could say, I'm home all he wants, but it didn't, those are words. And there was no, I didn't feel any emotion behind those words. Whereas he had that, he had the eye of the fucking tiger when he came back to uh, the first time to, to AEW. And um, there's just I, I I don't get the sense that he's excited and I don't get the sense that he is um, particularly um, uh, I don't think he's feeling anything special regarding being back in that company. I, I just I think it's all I think it's motivated by spite and it's motivated by, well, I'm 40. What is he? 44 45, or something like that. 45. I'm 45 years old. You know, uh, I don't have a lot of big money earning years in front of me. It's probably now or never. Um, 
I'm going to take their three-year deal or whatever the fuck it is, and I'm going to make millions of dollars, and that's going to carry me through uh, you know, the rest of my life now. And I, I think that's what he's motivated by, money and being on the other side to try to stick it to Tony Khan. And uh, I think the, 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 on Saturday, it felt like AEW couldn't have been dog-walked you know, any worse. And then on Monday, I thought to myself, wow, this isn't, this doesn't feel as bad for them now because this version of punk is not exciting at all. Like I came off of that promo, not being interested in the least of what he does next week. How did you come come up? Exactly the same. And that's kind of what I set up with the, with the segment is after Saturday, I was like, Oh my God. Like I was just thinking, AEW offices, everybody at that company has got to be just thinking, fuck, we're on the losing team and goddamn, we are losing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, we always were like the underdog and we were kind of, cause there's a difference between being on the losing team and being, and, and losing. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they were always yes. losing yeah. and they've always been losing, but they're not, they didn't feel like a losing team. They felt like, hey, you know what? We're rebuilding. We're moving ourselves up. We're the, the plucky underdog. We're the new fledgling company or whatever. We're, we're, yeah, we're it, not going to, you know what it was? It was, it was, you might be winning. But you're a one seed, and we're a sixteen, and it's a four point game with a minute left. Right, so right. it's more we're embarrassing some good for threes. you. We're, we're pulling some right. threes out of our ass. We might. We're, we're, the game's tied. I don't know if we're going to pull this thing out, but goddamn it, we're making it happen. We're and yeah. That's not the losing team, and no one's going to be. No one's going to begrudge the sixteen seed for losing to the. Ultimately, if they lose to the number one seed after getting really really close, no one's going to say, "Ah, oh, man, those guys really blew it." That no, they're going to say, "Wow." No, damn. if you if you ever look at the if you ever watch the pressers after games like that, the sixteen seeds are all upbeat. And yeah. Smiling. Right, right. And 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 the one seed coach walks in and goes, Oh, there's a lot of things we got to do better. That was a terrible <laughs> right, effort. Right. Even though they won, you know, yeah. so that's kind of like where how yeah, that's a great comparison. But now they felt, you know, very, very recently over the last couple of weeks and, and really the last couple of months, they felt like they were truly on the losing team. Like like they got to this certain point and now they're kind of falling back and falling back and falling back. And now they feel like losers and they feel like a losing team or whatever in, in, in the in the nicest way possible. And Saturday felt like, oh my God, I gotta feel like what people in that building have to feel like and what people in that they're doing collision they're there at the building for collision that's the show that was supposed to be this guy's show and now he's walking on as you're getting like what 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 do they have three hundred thousand viewers two hundred thousand viewers for that collision on saturday just some a putrid number that of course they were going to have against survivor series but like if you're there in that building you know you're working in front of a quarter-filled basketball arena on this show that's supposed to be phil brooks's show and there's three hundred thousand people watching or whatever now that guy just showed up in a sold out building in Chicago where they tore down their fucking set to make sure that they could sell more tickets to that show. They got like what? 17,000 in that building, like high, uh, an all time yeah. record or whatever. Just insane. They did it on Friday. They came back on Saturday and did it. Then CM Punk comes back. Randy Orton comes back. Everybody's over. You just got to be like, God damn it. We're fucking losing. God, we're on the losing team. Like you have to look around and go, I'm on the losing team. I'm so on the losing team. This sucks. Cause of course it sucks to be on the losing team. So Saturday was like, it couldn't have been any lower. For, for them, just seeing this happen and going, fuck. But then Monday, I had the exact same thought that you had. And it actually wasn't just his promo. What I think I, I, I was really a telling moment for me, more so in the promo, and maybe not more so in the promo, but on a similar level to the promo, is Seth Rollins came out. And they're doing this whole sort of thing where, where Seth is in storyline upset, but they're kind of doing it in a work shoot sense where he's cutting work shoot promos. And when the cameras, quote unquote, aren't rolling, he's upset about CM Punk or whatever. So he comes out and he goes, all right, all right, all right. You know who, you know, yeah, all right. You want to chant for him, chant for him or whatever. So he does the thing where he gives the crowd the opportunity to chant for CM Punk. And like twenty five people chant CM Punk. You know what I mean? It wasn't a well. That's 
that's the other thing. When Punk comes out, he didn't get a pop. That's exactly so. It was that was the first moment where where Seth got out there saying, "Okay, they're going to take over this promo." So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know who you want to talk about. You want to talk about CM Punk or whatever." So he goes, "You know what? Go and do it." So he sticks the mic out to say, "All right, fans, go and do it." And not that many people do it. You get a smattering of CM Punk, CM Punk. But it was not a raucous thing. It wasn't like the 10,000 people or whatever was in that building in Nashville all started chanting CM Punk. They did, and he, go, and he went, all right, all right, all right. Let's try to get him to do it again, and nobody did it. And then he goes, okay, and then he did the rest of his promo, and I was like, ooh, right. that's a little like saucy the design, the, the design of that was for the fans to give this thunderous CM Punk chant. Right, right. Like Paul Heyman used to be great group. about that. They would Anytime they yeah. were in Chicago, they would bring Paul Heyman out. They did it the one year I remember I was at a Raw pretty soon after punk walked out or whatever. And they had Heyman come out and Heyman just played the audience like a fiddle. Just said, all right, chant his name, do this. All right. Okay. Are you all done now? Let me do my thing. And he, he got it out. And like people didn't chant it the rest right, of the right. night. Like he's a, he was a master at it. They put Seth in that position to say, Hey, Seth, go out there, say your little thing, give the crowd the chance and then get on to you with your promo. But he well, didn't really both, have to stop. Both to not, both, both not to blow up his segment, but right. also to play into the, the match they're going to have. Right, exactly. Like, it's so, cool, yeah. And then it was kind of hitting me like, wait a minute. How many of these fans truly give a shit about CM Punk? This current WWE audience, this TikTok audience, this, this LA Knight audience, this Roman Reigns audience, this Bloodlight audience, the, ch- the fans that are chanting yeet, yeet, yeet anytime Jey Uso does something. Yeah. Do those yeah. people care about CM Punk? And that's, I, that was the first time where I said, wait a minute, maybe they don't. And then he comes yeah. out later in that night and gets an okay pop. Joe, did you watch the YouTube video for for this? I don't segment? even. Yeah, they they sweeten the oh. fuck out of that. Oh, did they sweeten the fuck he, out of that YouTube segment? I got listen. If you still have it on your DVR, and oh, I'm talking I do. To the audience, I do. I listen to it. I listen to it back and forth. I, I got to try to do a clip s- here. I don't think I. I thought it was tepid as hell. And then they even pan the crowd, and no one's really reacting. They're standing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's not getting much of a reaction at all. It's it and and it was really stunning to me what little reaction he got. But I think you're right. I think they have turned over a lot of their fans. We've talked about this before. They have really, a lot of those disenfranchised WWE fans finally just gave up on the company. Some of them became AEW fans. Some of them are probably just gone into the ether. But those fans that would hijack the the Raw after manias, the fans that would chant CM Punk, the fans that would shit on promos, the fans that would boo the baby, the baby faces being pushed and cheer the cool heel, they're gone. WWE has a fan base now that goes along with the show and actually likes what WWE is presenting, which wasn't the case for about a decade. And I think you're absolutely right that the Nashville crowd reflected that heavily. And he really didn't get much of a pop at all coming out. And then, as I said, the promo was just flat. Oh, the promo was was, just flat. There there was nothing to it. Yeah. It it felt very much like people, people, you know, I, I was watching it in real time and people were saying it reminded them of like 2013 rock when he came back. And it was just kind of like the Hollywood actor, Dwayne Johnson, just kind of being like, I'm back where I've always needed to be. I'm back where I always want to be and I'll never leave again. And it's like, all right, dude, everybody knows the score. It's when fine. he was reading off his when he was reading off his wrist tape. <laughs> right, exactly. And yeah, it, it, but, it came across like that. But then somebody said even more what I loved. And I was like, holy crap, they nailed it. It was like you put into an AI, give me CM Punk returns promo to WWE. Yeah. And that's what it was. And then even more so, 
We decided to do that, Joe. So you want me to read off the Chet GPT CM Punk return promo and tell me if this sounds what? familiar to you? Man, we should have talked about this before the show. Here's how we should have done this segment. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. What you should have done. Well, there's still time. Maybe on the edited show we can do that. Maybe the live yeah. audience will get the shitty version of this. You get. Go ahead. What do you got? Right. Sorry, live audience. You get the shitty version of the segment we're going to reshoot this for the what you should have done is said joe i'm going to read you cm punk's promo from monday and then see if <laughs> yes. anyone can tell the difference yes between the ai promo and the actual cm punk promo but anyway what did the ai spit out okay so this is uh this is uh at the chris samson did a chris samson voice the wrestling contributor put this in a chat gpt and then spit it out and i was like holy shit this is great i have to read this uh, on the flagship here you go okay so it's got it's got actions in there too it's got so we have the arena is buzzy with anticipation as the crowd eagerly awaits the return of a legend the lights dim and the familiar static of cult of personality fills the air the crowd erupts into cheers as cm punk makes his way to the ring microphone in hand cm punk well 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 look who's back in the wwe the straight edge savior the voice of the voiceless the one and only cm punk the crowd cheers reach a fever pitch that, that, that was different than what actually happened as the as punk soaks in the moment with a sly grin on his face cm punk you know they say absence makes the heart grow fonder and judging by the reception i'm getting i'd say you've all missed me quite a bit the crowd chants CM Punk in unison, and Pod, uh, Punk nods appreciatively. CM Punk. But let's get one thing straight. I didn't come back for the fame, the cheers, or the spotlight. I came back because this place, this industry, it needs a wake-up call. It needs a voice that isn't afraid to speak the truth, to call the hypocrisy, and to stand up for what's right. So I was going to say that's the one spot that, that the chat GPT was more passionate than Punk was. Because he didn't say anything of that like that. Yeah, he briefly mentioned people in the locker room who don't like him, and he's here to, you know, but yeah, it's, uh... anyway, you may continue. All right, CM Punk, I see a locker room full of talent, but I also see a lot of complacency. I see champions who think they've reached the top and can coast on their success. Well, I'm here to shake things up. I'm here to remind everybody what it means to be the best in the world. He literally said that, right? Like, remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is exactly what he said. So that is right on the money there. CM Punk, so whether you're a veteran resting on your laurels or a hungry newcomer looking to make a name for yourself, hear this loud and clear. CM Punk is back, and I'm not here to play nice. I'm here to ignite a revolution, to give the WWE Universe what they deserve, a show worth watching. The crowd roars in approval as Punk drops the microphone, his theme music blaring through the arena once again. The straight-edge superstar stands tall in the ring, soaking in the adulation of the fans ready to make an impact like only he can all that's missing is the i'm home which was a very corny and he even in in the promo he's like i know it's gonna sound a little uh hack but you know he knew it was corny you know (laughs) to say i'm I'm home home. the place that sued me on my (laughs) on my wedding or fired me on my wedding day sued me uh uh yeah and when he says compare when he says i'm home and just, you know, the the feel, the emotion, yeah. the look in his eyes. Compare that to the Rampage promo when he talks about, I have returned to pro wrestling. Right, I retired that pro line? wrestling on da-da-da-da-da-da, whatever day that he left, you know, Ring of Honor. Ring of and Honor. now I've returned right. to pro wrestling here on August, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And the light in his, the difference in the light in his eyes and the and the passion behind his words and and how euphoric that he looked. None of that on Monday. 
And I'm just thinking to myself on Monday, I had a totally different feel than I had on Saturday. Yep. I was mm-hmm. like, this, I, I'm like, you know, I sat through that entire wretched Raw show. Oh. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I watched the whole Raw. God damn it. That show is even worse when you're not fast forwarding through everything. I watched but it live. in a lot of ways. I watched it live. But in a lot of ways, it's better because it's funnier. Because there's so much bad shit on that show that normally I fast forward through when I when I watch the three hour show in like forty minutes. So you didn't like the is, three uh, jelly roll segments? Was that too many for you? No. See, when you got Nia Jax out there stinking <laughs> it up and, and and everything else, it's like you know. And then you have uh, Natalia and her partner, uh, her lady partner, whoever that was, already in the ring waiting to challenge for the women's <laughs> tag team titles and that brutal match. I think it was Tegan Knox who looks like uh, a completely different Knox. human now. It was, now. Indeed, it I was mean, indeed she, Tegan Knox, yes. I, I I don't believe it. I know they said it was Tegan Knox. I I don't think it was her. She looks like a completely different human being these days. But um, the the show is is there's it's almost it's funny when you watch the whole. It's so bad it's funny. The show is awful. I mean the show <laughs> I is unwatchable. Agree that it was. I, I guess oh, funny. You didn't say so bad it was good. You said so bad it's funny, right? Because I, I I would yes, push back on there's good. This funny okay. moment. How bad you know? Every time they do the uh, the Otis and the crew and oh, it's just uh, the dance. Oh, Kiritazawa yeah. um, does a dance. Yeah, the show is just so bad it's and, and terrible. And that's the other thing. Such a missed opportunity because you know you're going to have all these people who have given up on the show checking back in. Why wouldn't you come double barrels fully loaded to do the greatest possible raw you could ever do? It's it's almost arrogant how bad this show was. You know, it's like you can't get rid of that arrogance that surrounds this company and that we're just going to do what we do. And, and they should have been out to impress all of these people like us who don't normally watch the show. And a lot of people who are listening to us right now are AEW fans who, who never watched the show who wanted to see what punk was going to do. They saved them for the end. And then they give people that pile of shit, that boring pile of shit. I mean, that show was terrible. Um, you know, and, and I can't imagine anyone who wasn't already a regular viewer of raw watching that show, watching that heartless soulless CM punk promo and thinking to themselves, picking up their remote, turning the TV off and going, ah, you know what? That was a great three hours of wrestling. I can't hear next Monday, right? in this can't wait for next Monday. I'm all worn out. I'm going to have some buttermilk. I'm going to hit the sack and I'm going to gear up for next Monday because I can't wait to see to see what happens with this CM. I can't. That's no way. Did you? uh, There's no way you watch that show. Did you uh, notice the completely non-coincidence that uh, uh, Paul Levesque made sure to make everybody aware that he was not there on Monday? That it was a. You know, I know that's funny and everything, but I really don't think. I mean, the guy's trying to close a TV deal. I mean, come on, let's. let's he could, you know, he, I, can he show up for work on Monday? I mean, it's Monday night. He could show up to work on Monday. They were night. they were literally closing the deal on Monday. I All mean, right. he's got to be in does LA. He, what do you want the guy does to he, do? Does he really? Don't they have enough guys? They, do they need do, do do they need Paul Levesque there to look over the documents? You have a team of lawyers and executives look that over. You need WWE head of creative Paul Levesque. Wait, hold on a minute. <laughs> Can we all turn to section thirty six A two? If you're if you're he asking puts his glasses me, on and puts a small little glasses on and goes, yeah, I, uh, there's some wording in here that I don't know if I necessarily love the, how this looks. Shut up, Paul Levesque can show up to Raw on Monday. Come on, I, I know I know people want to think. But but listen to what you're really saying. What you're saying is, number one, that they knew they had a boring show 
plan. They didn't. They don't think the show is bad. They, I they think, think the that no, good. but they said Paul wasn't there on Tuesday. Once everybody kind of said, eh, that show's kind of whatever. That punk promo is kind of whatever. I don't know. I, I, my, my, my spidey sense was tingling when when the so, reports right. came out. So whoa, 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 whoa! Hey, Paul wasn't there, guys. Just so you know, this is a Bruce Pritchard. Uh, he wrote this show. It's like okay. What you're asking me to believe is that he knew the show was going to be bad. No, 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 no. So, I don't think he knew the show was going to be bad. I think he made sure to let people well, then know why wouldn't he that show he wasn't up there on then... Tuesday. No, but what about Monday? What does Tuesday have to do with it? No, no that's when the story like, came out that he wasn't there, was on Tuesday. Oh, okay. The story didn't come you're, up before so Raw that said, hey, Paul Levesque's not at Raw t- today. The story came out Tuesday, like after. I see what you're saying. Your, your theory is he knows the show was bad, so then he made it known he wasn't there. Yes. So people wouldn't think he had anything to do with the bad right. Show. I don't think he was intentionally not there or or whatever. I think that there's it's very likely that he was probably hobnobbing around the the the, the you know and and do it. Do I think he had to sit at the table to you know hammer out the deal? I don't think he needed to, but I'm sure he was around and they had him in the building and he was you know there or whatever. But I think that there was a little bit of WWE PR being done on Tuesday where it made very clear, hey, whoa, 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 Paul Levesque was not there on Monday, just so everybody knows. That's possible. That'll that I, I will I, grant. Sounds just tingling a little too much. That's that's all I'll say. That's possible because there's no way anyone thought that show was good. Right. There, I mean, well, even it, the, it, it, it falls in line with the usual, like, remember when there would be a bad Raw and somebody would say, uh, you know, actually, uh, Vince McMahon came in and he wrote these, this segment. It was it was because we used to make fun of that. <laughs> right. There was Paul equals good, yeah. Vince equals bad for a while there where there'd be good segments. Yeah. And everybody would say, oh, yeah, yeah Paul, uh, Paul, in fact, just a master of this art. Right? He knows what he's doing. And then there'd be bad segments. Everybody would go, oh, I don't know what was up with that. And then the next day it'd be like, oh, Vince McMahon actually wrote that segment. Oh, OK. Right, right, right. Because Vince equals bad. Paul equals good i don't know i just my spuddy sense was tingling a little bit with that well that's the other funny thing here like even wwe fans didn't enjoy that raw that's and the other I mean. thing is it wasn't just us it wasn't just us drop-ins right. it was like wwe fans that were like eh, i don't know it was kind of a, just a bad show the other thing too is no one thinks that promo was good no in fact that promo was so bad that people have a theory that it was bad on purpose now. <laughs> right? yes like, oh, well, they're telling a story here. It's uh, he's the idea is he's not supposed to have his heart in it because he doesn't like the company. And then it's going to be this interloper who, uh, you know, who who still feels negatively towards the WWE and all of the great WWE superstars are going to defend the company against CM Punk. Like people are coming up with these ridiculous uh, ideas to cover for the fact that the guy just went out there and didn't have his heart in it. You know, and um, maybe this is some fantastic work and it's all, um, you know, some kind of uh, incredible story that they're laying out here. But but I, I don't buy it for one second. I just think that he doesn't really feel particularly moved by being there. Right. And it's a financial move. And, it you know, you can't fake the funk sometimes, you know, it's like you either have the passion or you don't. And um you know, you, you see it all the time with with athletes. You see it with, uh, I mean, you people can relate back to their own lives when you've just had it with a job and you're just fucking punching the clock and mailing it in, and you know, and you're you're just there for the paycheck. And and you know, I, that I feel like on you know day two, <laughs> you already reached that point, which <laughs> right. isn't a great sign, you know. Um, and 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 the question is, we know they're not going to take his shit, but. Will he be 
a WWE, will he be on the WWE roster in good standing on November 30th, 2024? No. I don't One year so. from today. I, I don't think so. You think it's blowing up within a year? I do. You do? I do, yeah. Um, I think he's going to definitely make it to WrestleMania because I think he wants to headline WrestleMania. In fact, we know he wants to headline. That was a point of contention for him when he left the first time. Um, anything after WrestleMania to me is we are now walking on shaky ground yeah. because that's something I think he wants to make sure he does. And I, I, I think once he does that, he might not be able to bite his tongue in every situation anymore. Um, and there's a lot of people there who don't like him. Did you see the Kevin Owens thing? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. For people who don't know, he was on some, I don't know what that humble, was. Humble, I believe it was Humble was. Wrestling. Humble Wrestling. Wait, the, the Twitter account? Yes. Like that? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> um, that's the guy, the guy that was interviewing him? That's uh, the Humble indeed. Wrestling I believe guy? that was Humble Wrestling, yes. Okay. So, for some reason, Kevin Owens is doing the Humble <laughs> Wrestling podcast. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, but, um, Kevin, if you want to come on, we'll, we'll, we'll be on. We'll talk to Kevin Owens. And I'll call him Steen like six times, but that, that, we'll talk to him. Well, I... I mean, he, the guy asked him, what do you think of CM Punk coming back? And his demeanor totally changed. And he's like, I just want to have fun at work. So if he wants to have fun at work, we're going to be fine. And that was it. That's all he said. Mm -hmm. And then the, then the humble wrestling guy, I'm screaming at my, at uh, at my (laughs) laptop, follow up, (laughs) follow up. You know? And he doesn't, of course, Uh, because nobody, none of these people know how to interview anybody. And then, um, he goes, oh, well, what do you think about Randy Orton coming back? Kevin Owens lights up. Yeah. <laughs> he gives like this 90-second answer of how right. great he's like, oh, he's a great Randy hand, and, and he's going to make everything much uh, more fun. He, he makes a good the locker guy. room great, and right. he's a great he's, guy. He's a good veteran. He teaches rookies. He talks to everybody. Yeah, it was a complete – the CM Punk was, well, if he wants to have fun, uh, I hope he wants to have fun because I like seconds. to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Ten seconds of mumbling and, 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 I, and basically saying, I hate that motherfucker without saying, I hate that motherfucker. So then you would think that Mr. Humble Wrestling would follow up with, you know, there was a big difference between your two answers there. Could you describe it? But no, of course not. But um, <laughs> I didn't even know it was the Humble Wrestling guy. That's funny. But um, but yeah, so it's like, you know, he's going to have opposing forces in the locker room for sure that, you know, aren't going to want to necessarily work with him. And they're going to have to juggle all that. Look at CM Punk. <laughs> we talk about, you know, this. it's Phil Brooks' back, baby. So, you know, I, if you think it's going to go swimmingly, I think he will be on his best behavior for a while. Um, he'll definitely make it to Mania, especially if they want him to work with Steve Austin. I mean, you know he's going to want to do that. And you know he's going to want to say <laughs> that he finally he? headlined to Mania. <sighs> We're, I'm in a different... You know the irony, though, of him headlining to Mania? Here's the irony. <laughs> night, one, night one of WrestleMania, by the way. His uh, one of the Bogo extravaganza, as he termed <laughs> right, it, the Fortnite Bogo extravaganza. Um, yeah, he his gripe on the first run was all of the older part timers would come back and take the main event slots. That's funny. It was Joe. Yeah, you're right. And this motherfucker is going to come back as a 45 year old man and headline it because with a 60 year old part timer, <laughs> right? Like, does he note the this uh, is this no. is the imp- this is CM Punk's whole deal. He lives. He he has a he has a set of of life codes and standards and principles that he himself never lives by. He holds everybody else 
to these principles and standards that are almost unattainable. Yet he never holds himself to those same principles and standards. I'm going to put you on the spot again, Rich Krejci. Does he work a blood money show? Yes. You think he's going to Saudi? I think he's going to Saudi. Yeah, why not? How can he go to Saudi? Because he's the a hypocrite. Suck- he's always and, been a hypocrite. After, of course and he's going to do it. <laughs> and I quote, go suck a blood money covered dick was the quote to the Miz. To at Mike Mizanin. Yeah, because he's a hypocrite. Like you said, he but, he does not. He doesn't follow the standards that he wants everybody else to follow. And that has been his M.O. as long as I've known him. As long as we followed him in this wrestling business. That's been his M.O. So... I think it might be tough. I think he might wrestle with it a little bit, but I think that uh, that money will be put down on a piece of paper and he'll go, yeah, you know what? Fine. Fuck it. Who cares? Because what does he have to lose anymore? You know what I mean? I think he's also at this point, too, where even if we all come on here and we go, oh, my God, what a fucking hypocrite. Does he really care at this point anymore? He's cashing checks. He's cashing checks. That, that, and that's why my, my, it was so, my, my mood was so different after Monday because that was like, oh, I get what we are doing here now. You're just... Phil Brooks playing CM Punk, the character in WWE, to get your last paychecks. And that's fine. Go for it, man. Go for it. No problem at all. That's your thing. But now the set of morals, the set of standards, the ideals, all that sort of stuff, that's out the window. So, no, what does he have to lose? Go to Saudi Arabia. Who gives a shit? Who cares? People are going to bring up the tweet, and he's going to go, okay, whatever. I just made a million dollars to fly to Saudi Arabia and and, and wrestle for 11 minutes. I don't give a shit, honestly. Someone someone in the chat made made a great point. One of the other things that kevin owens said was randy doesn't have to say he's a locker room leader oh <laughs> and if so that good. wasn't a direct oh, shot it's so dude. good god that's good you know so uh <laughs> oh, it's so good wrestling's back baby it is so bad i'll tell you what punk one, one, one thing now, CM punk does he 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 wrestling is back now do i want to watch monday night raw next week fuck no do I want to follow the situation very closely? Uh, absolutely, yes, I do. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, pop the number Monday, help pop a number. Um, they strategically put him in the final segment, and and the show did. You know, look, it's going to drop like a stone next week, and that that's my prediction because I feel like, you know. I feel like a lot of people are going to come out of that promo the way we came out of the promo. Like, oh, that's it? This guy doesn't feel special. He didn't feel special he anymore did not after feel that special. promo. No, he didn't. The crowd didn't take he, him as special. The us watching at home didn't take him as special. And and that, I think, that to me, that's going to be the most telling. Was this just a particularly bad audience? Was this just a particularly bad? Or is he going to go back wherever Raw is on, on Monday? I have no idea. I can look it up maybe. But it'd be very telling for me or if he pops up on SmackDown or whatever, what that crowd thinks of him. Cause I think that was my first revelation that, Oh, right. This is a different audience. This guy left 10 years ago. A lot of the WWE universe, the current quote unquote WWE universe, they're not watching AEW. They're not watching all Japan for wrestling. They're not watching new Japan for wrestling. They're not watching the Indies. They're watching WWE. They're, they're going yeet. When Jey Uso tells them to say yeet, they're, 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 they're booing Don Mysterio when everybody boos Don Mysterio. They're singing Seth's song. They're singing Cody's song. That's that audience. I don't know how much of that audience really gives a shit about this guy anymore. And that was my, I guess I should have assumed that I should have been smart enough to assume that on Saturday. But when it's done in Chicago and the crowd's just jumping up and down and throwing babies in the air or whatever, it's like, oh, my God, never mind. Whole different animal. But Monday was like, the oh, right. Like, this is a, an audience that watches, you know, Samantha Irvin TikToks 
that probably doesn't give a shit that CM Punk's the voice of the voiceless and I'm fighting against, you know, the the the, the bureaucracy that is the WWE and the, who they push and the big show and they, they, they don't give a shit about any of this. They're not they're not the crowd that was chanting CM Punk anytime there was something bad on the on the screen. Because that happened for ten years. And we used to fight with people all the time where they were like, I don't know why everybody wants Phil Brooks back. They don't want CM Punk back. That just became the 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 term for we don't like this shit. Something bad is happening on our screen. Those annoyed fans would chant CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk. That was the way to say we don't like what's on the screen. It was a rejection of the the product. Whatever you're doing on the screen. More than literally literally wanting CM Punk. It was just we're rejecting what you're presenting us right now. That that audience is gone, man. Like you said, that audience is either watching AEW or they're not watching wrestling anymore. This current audience, they're not chanting CM Punk at, 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 at a bad segment. They weren't chanting CM Punk when Nia Jax was out there wrestling. <laughs> you know, having a bad match with uh, what's her fucking Rich, face. Uh, Rich, they didn't chant CM Punk when Rollins told them to chant yes, CM he Punk. He said, chant CM Punk, here you go, here's your opportunity. And 25 people went CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk. And he go, ah, come on, <laughs> get it out of your system. <laughs> CM Punk, CM Punk. With his Muppet voice. <laughs> right. Come on, <laughs> get it out. <laughs> Nobody did it. You're going to so, chant it. Go ahead and chant it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody did. So it was like Monday was like the big because uh, I, I have now completely flip flopped on this thing where I'm like, holy shit. If I'm in AEW, I'm like, hold on a minute. Hold on a damn minute. This isn't this might not be what I think it is. Like we we're we're, lo- we're still losing team. We're still a little bit of the losing team, but maybe maybe we're not totally dead just yet. Maybe we're not totally dead just yet, but let me pitch this to you. What if it is a meta story of a guy coming in to take WWE's money who doesn't care about the company and in fact, flat out hates the company and he's going to be a heel going up against all of these uh, defenders of the uh, going up against stand up for WWE baby faces. What do you think? If that is the case, do you give them credit for doing something super creative? Um, I don't know if that's got that many legs, though. I, I don't know if I love that story. I think it's a good, like, if I was booking a wrestling show, that's a pretty good story. For this current audience, I don't know that they would buy in that much to it. Well, who could be a bigger heel to the current WWE audience than someone who doesn't like WWE? Because they love, this audience right, loves it. Right, right. So, and Punk would be the perfect person to play that role. And he would probably really get off on playing a role like that. Don't you think? Because he can inject real life feeling into that. Because he <laughs> being really an doesn't asshole like who hates company. where he's working. Yeah, I think he could yeah. probably pull that off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he could probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. But but um and 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 the, and so what do you think? Is there what is is what is the percentage possibility that this soulless, heartless promo was intentional as he's in the stage of the story where he's perpetuating his ruse. Put a percentage on it. I'm at like 20% at, at, at most. I think that's probably high, honestly. I'm probably probably lower, but, but I'll, so you're I'll say saying 20%. there's a chance. I, I think there's a chance. I, I wonder if maybe after Monday he's thinking, okay, that's not what I thought I was gonna that it was gonna be. I, I don't believe I, I truly do not believe that that he thought I'm going to come out to a lukewarm reaction and cut a lukewarm promo and I'm going to get a lukewarm response or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I don't I I, I don't buy that because the promo to me didn't come across that way. The promo to me came across. He tried to pander to them a little bit too. He did the like, hey guys, I know I'm a Blackhawks fan. I'm here in the 
the Nashville barn. He called it a barn, Joe, because he's a real hockey fan. He doesn't call it jersey. Right. He calls it a sweater. So he said, I'm in your barn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like six fans cheered because, Phil, WWE fans don't watch anything else. They don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. He's trying to make a Nashville Predators versus Blackhawks because that is actually a pretty decent rivalry in the NHL. These these chants chant Yeet at Jey Uso. They don't know about the Predators. You know what I mean? Like, they don't care. They're wearing Yeet shirts, for God's sakes. Yeet shirts, Joe. Yeah. But they don't care yeah. about the Predators versus Blackhawks rivalry of the, the mid-2010s. They don't care. Phil? Yeah, I think that um, the, the sports cheap heat worked really well in AEW. Of course. You know, it, it it didn't it didn't land at all no. on this night. He just what here? Can we he just was call off. it like he it was is? Off. He just was not over in Nashville right. at all. It, he just wasn't over. Um, here's my take on the theory that the promo was bad on purpose, and he's doing a gimmick, an anti WWE gimmick. The problem with that is in this company, they can't contain themselves and we'll know very quickly if that's the case because the commentary will be like ah this man doesn't really love the wwe like they can't help themselves they have to hammer the stories right. home because they like, Cole, this is a guy who said so many terrible things about exactly. this company and michael yeah. Colby, yeah you know uh cm punk was never happy in wwe so perhaps this is you know yeah you would know it right away you would know it right away well well we wouldn't know it yet because he cut his promo and then that the show ended right 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 and they didn't have a chance to talk i mean you would but know it I'm like very is, quickly in the next couple of weeks yeah, i'm saying like this on this week's show if that's the story they're telling they're going to make it very clear that that's the story they're telling because they it's the subtlety hammer. They, that that never changes. They think that their audience is dumb and I'm going to bite my tongue and they feel like <laughs> they have to to to, to hammer they they can't allow something to be subtle. They just can't it's not in their DNA. So um we'll know very quickly, you know, and 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 we'll find out very quickly. Well, I just think what I will say too is that'll be a much higher level story than what they've told over the last couple of years. And and if that's truly what they're doing, then then good on them. I'm down for it. I think it's a pretty cool story if they if they can do it. And they have the right players involved. They have a lot of smart people involved. If you have Cody and, and, and Punk involved in this, and they're all in, and maybe you have Owens get on board eventually. Like, there's a lot of oh, smart God, people. Please, Owens, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, there's a lot of smart people involved. If that if, if truly that is the scenario. That's a higher level story than what they've told over the last couple of years. And I think that they know that they don't have to tell that high level story to this audience right now. Right, right, right. They, they can tell this Roman Reigns thing, which is simply like you screamed at the intro. This They don't even know what the story is, the fans. They all right, put their fingers right. up and go, he goes, acknowledge me. And everybody goes, yeah. They don't know. Yeah. They don't yeah. know. So you want them to do this 4D chess thing where like Seth Rollins is defending the honor of WWE and, and CM Punk is talking about guys they're pushing or whatever. That's not even what that – you know what I mean? And that doesn't work that well either because it's also like who's he, who's he fighting against? There, it made sense when he was fighting against Vince McMahon and the big show and the muscular guys that you know and Triple H and that sort of stuff. WWE doesn't really push, and the, push and the and the and the and the uh, older part timers, which right, he is now right, one. Of. Right, exactly. Right. So yeah. I guess he could do that, and then people would say, "Well, you're one of those older part timers." But again, I don't think these fans really care about that all that much, or they don't really understand the irony of that. But also, like WWE just pushes whoever. That's kind of one of the things with with, with that's different about the Paul Levesque thing is 
it's the shows are boring as fuck, and we'll get to that with Survivor Series. Like Paul Levesque shows are always pretty boring. People forget that in the midst of takeovers, those NXT week to week shows were boring as, as as fuck. But they're more logical. They make more sense, and more than anything, they push guys who are over. They push the right people more times than not. That's kind of the Paul Levesque's the key. Whereas Vince McMahon would just say, "Well, here's who I think is a WWE superstar. So here's who I'm going to push." I don't think Paul is quite that rigid with it, and that's why you're seeing. Uh, a guy like a Jey Uso emerge a, a, as a singles guy. While you're seeing an LA Knight emerge as a singles guy. While you're seeing Seth Rollins emerge as a, as a top champion. Sami Zayn getting big opportunities. That, that sort of stuff like that. Where, well, where yeah, they don't. This all ties in because they don't fight their fans anymore. Right, they don't fight the fans. So like, Punk's gonna come out there, and I don't know what his angle would be. Like, what is he gonna? I guess just say this company is sucks and all these promos suck and like that sort of stuff. But I don't. I don't know no, if these the fans bo- are look, along for that ride. I, I don't think that these fans are along the, for that the ride. Bottom line, the bottom line is it was just a flat promo that was that wasn't over. Right. That's right. all. And 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 he didn't inspire he didn't have any fire. Um he was dead behind the eyes. And um people are just trying to rationalize it because it was so nothing. It just was a nothing promo. We've wasn't never seen bad, this guy. We've never seen bad. this guy have less such a flat promo. Yeah, yeah he, just, he's, he's he's never been this way. He's never like from the day that we we all saw you know the first time you ever saw him, whether it be Ring of Honor, whether it be IWM South or whatever. He's always been a guy that's been super passionate about wrestling. Even when he came back on Collision, there was a there was a passion. It was an anger. There was a certain anger to the Collision return, but there was still some passion to that anger. This is the first time that was really just like, yeah, ah, whatever. All right. Cool. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah. well, that's I, well, I think we're not used to it. So we're assuming that there's some 40 chest thing where maybe this guy has just took a deep breath and said, you know what? I have nothing else left. I fucked everything else up. You know what? Screw it. Let me get one more big bag of money from these guys, and then I'll move on with the rest of my life. I just think it's hilarious that the promo was so flat that people either thought it sucked and was flat, or they think it was sucked and it's flat on purpose. Right, he's such an all-time There's great no, that we just can't right. we can't believe that the guy would have a bad promo. <laughs> There's no one saying, "Ah, oh, that was great." He knocked it out of the park. Nobody. Like, actually, I saw one person. I saw one person. Sam Roberts. Sam oh, Roberts, Rich. What? <laughs> he, yes, his tweet was. Let me see if I could find oh, it. But please, he, please, I don't, I don't, dear God, please find this. I get, take all the time. I don't time know you how need. much. Take all. I don't the know time how much. I don't know how much he tweets. So oh, let me see how far yeah. down the timeline it is. But he was like, ah, oh, there were so many layers. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He tweets a lot because he has a oh, radio no. show. He's got the podcast. Yeah. All right, here we go. So he put a clip of the promo in his tweet. And he said, uh, quote, so much going on in that promo. A wise man reference. Going from reaching for the brass ring to having it in his pocket. Making money, not friends. In this ring, on this microphone. What a wild, wild time. End quote. Yeah. Sure sounds like he liked it and thought okay. it was good. Like to, to Sam Roberts, that 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 Paul Heyman reference really the wise, for him, I mean, I was anybody just like, oh my. I mean, the it was very obvious who he was mentioning. You know I what mean, was funny? That didn't even get a pop because I don't know how pop. much of here's the thing. I don't know how many people in Nashville even remember him being a Paul Heyman. None. Guy. That's what I'm saying. Not that many. These are people that watch TikToks of L.A. Knight and Samantha Irvin. These are not the same fans. He's not talking to the same people he thought he was talking to. Yeah. Those I, people I, either watch AEW or they don't watch wrestling anymore. We've turned over a new uh, audience, I think, in a, in a big way. Or an audience that's just moved on. That just moved on. I mean, I had a I have a buddy at my, at my work who... 
he's an old fan, but then he stopped watching and then he kind of came back or whatever. And his wife sort of started watching with him. And, you know, I showed up on Monday thinking, oh, this guy's going to want to talk CM Punk with me. All right. So I'm ready for it. And he comes on and he goes, I can't believe they did that to Randy Orton. And I was like, well, did what to Randy Orton? They're like, ah, he ruined, they ruined his moment. That was his take. Him and his mm. wife's take was they ruined Randy Orton's moment by having CM Punk come out. You know, I, you know, I know that's anecdotal, but I did see, I, I and did that see I saw some that. Of that I saw too. that from other yeah. people. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, this is the I audience. Did see some of that. It's a very, very um, different audience. Here's another Sam Roberts follow up to it. Oh. <laughs> Great. I'm home. Wow. This is insane. I'm ready. Hashtag WWE Raw. Sam Roberts loved it, man. He, he's <laughs> Sam, into watch the CM anything Punk. else, please. I'm begging you, watch something else. You know, you know what? Um, you know how CM Punk came across because I'm watching the promo without the sound. I'm just watching his. His eyes. I'm watching the video with it, but the audio is not on. Those eyes, they're not good. Not you always say the eyes don't lie. The eyes never lie in pro wrestling. But the other thing about it, he's coming across like someone imitating a CM Punk promo with his mannerisms as I'm watching this without the sound. It's like, he's mimicking his own. It's like someone's asking him to demonstrate how he cuts a promo and he does it. That's how he's coming across with his body language. Mm-hmm. And it's really just soulless is the, is the only way to describe it. I mean, it's just, uh, it just wasn't, it didn't inspire any excitement. That's for sure. So, um, I'm already out. I'm out, Rich. I don't really have interest in this. Yeah, I mean, and, maybe... and there's the other thing, too, of like, all right, what's the programs? What are we doing? And if if we're floating that, oh, he's going to face Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania night one, I'm like, great. I don't care. <laughs> I'm glad you yeah. all can pretend to care about Stone Cold Steve Austin versus CM Punk at night one of WrestleMania. I couldn't possibly care less. I didn't give a shit about CM Punk versus Kevin Owens when everybody was pretending that that was a big deal. And, Stone and, and, Cold and Kevin Owens. Yes, I, I, that, look, yeah, I, right. I'll have a more, I'll have a morbid curiosity in it. Yes, you know? I, but, but that's that's the punk thing right now in WWE is morbid curiosity. That's all I have. Am I like, oh man, I can't wait to see what like when he came back. Obviously, when he came back to AEW the first time, of course, of course, of course, everybody was like, holy shit, this is going to totally change the game and, and transform AEW, and it did. It absolutely did for for the amount of time it did. The collision was kind of the same deal of like, all right, well, he's back, and this is going to be a little weird. A little, you you were like more, I want to watch the car crash happen and see how it how they maneuver around it or whatever. Man, this I okay. I I don't know. I just I I I'm like you. I'm like all right. Well, we did the promo. He's back. I don't know. Am I anticipating Cody Rhodes versus CM Punk? Not really. Seth Rollins versus CM Punk. I don't know. That doesn't does that do much for you? Kevin Owens, well, CM Punk. Eh, I might do a little more fun. He's gonna have to. That's not happening. <laughs> I know. Why do you keep bringing that. I know, up? I'm bringing it up because it's funny because people uh, people are thinking that Kevin Owens is working, and I'm like. Eh. He's not. He's a hundred percent. The man re-signed with WWE with the intent of I don't have to work with that guy. (laughs) For the record, people, Um, I get a main event of WrestleMania, quote unquote, against Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I don't have to work with that guy. (laughs) Owens is a very, very. That is a man who is very. Well, you know what he is. He's principled, but he sticks to his own principles. Unlike the best way to put it. You know, it's like the opposite of Punk, where Punk says he's principled but doesn't follow any of his own principles. That's what he is. That's the difference. We have to move this along. So let's talk about this Survivor Series show. You got anything else on Punk? I think we covered it no, all. No, that's ba- it. Backwards and forwards. Yeah, we'll, we'll see and, what and, ends up and happening. It's, but, yeah. it's not going anywhere. I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot more when he melts down. So uh, this Survivor Series show, you touched on it. 
This was nothing if not a Paul Levesque era WWE pay-per-view. Just functional, boring, and totally forgettable from top to bottom. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, <laughs> Move on to the next topic. That's a- I mean, what a nothing show. I and- am reg- – I, I honestly, when you when we had this on the run sheet, I was like, God, I hope we don't like – I hope we talk about CM Punk for like an hour and a half. I'm glad we did because we did talk about CM Punk for an hour and a half. Because, bro, I got nothing. You know, on, I got nothing on Survivor Series, man. This is a four-hour show that happened, and I'm done, and I have no. Well, it wasn't even. About it. it was like a. Was it four hours? I thought oh, it was maybe it was three. Shorter, yeah, maybe, maybe it was closer to three. I don't know. I have no thoughts about this show at all. The, the thing about it is, and I've talked about this before. I think the biggest gap right now between AEW and WWE is the pay-per-view quality. AEW pay-per-views are almost always the floor is that they're good. The ceiling is that they're one of the best pay-per-views you've ever seen. These WWE pay-per-views are just totally forgettable, nothing happening, a bunch of three-star matches, boring as hell, a bunch of dead time in between the matches, just functional, boring, dry, and existing is really what they are. And, and they're always like five or six matches. They don't even like load them up. Um, so much whereas dead AW, time. Oh, my God. If you, the So entr- much dead time. It's all entrances, 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 entrances that take forever. Everybody stands around the ring. The match happens. Nobody makes any noise during the matches. The match ends. People make noise. Then they go to five different pre-tapes. Then we go to entrances and entrances. It's just so much dead time. Yeah. Whereas AEW pay-per-views are like nine matches, ten matches, wall-to-wall. One match ends. The next one starts. Action, action, action. All the matches are great. Everyone's trying to top each other. Um, So that's a really wide gap right now between the two companies. The pay-per-view quality is AEW's biggest edge. WWE's wrestlers are more over than AEW's wrestlers are. There's no question about that. Their crowd, their fan base loves the big stars on these shows. Now, if you're not a big star, you get nothing. Okay, you will get nothing if you're not a big star. Zoe Stark, nothing. Santos Escobar Escobar (laughs) gets nothing. You know, Santos Escobar and Dragon Lee. And, and look, that match is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Santos Escobar and Dragon Lee went out there on this show. Two wrestlers who I love. I love those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. They went out there and had a three-star match, if if I'm being generous. They had an hour-two Raw match on a pay-per-view. I mean, this was so toned down. Dragon Lee, why even sign Dragon Lee if this is how you're going to tell him to go out there and perform? I mean, it's a waste of time even having the guy. If these same two guys were given the same eight minutes and 20 seconds on full gear, they would have had a notebook match. Do you have any doubt in your mind? Oh, God. They would have went oh, out there. Oh, yeah. and of course, notebook. of course, of course. And that's the di- biggest difference between the two companies right now is the pi- is the quality of the uh, of the pay-per-views. And on the flip side, the, the big stars in WWE, whether it's Cody, whether it's Jay with the yeet, fucking bullshit whether it's seth <laughs> that rollins man stood on the top of that fucking war games cage and did his little uh, 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 uh hand thing while seventeen thousand people did the hand thing for like a minute straight and i was like i i've there's never been a bigger gap between what i think is good wrestling and what these people think my fellow chicagoans than watching jay uso on the top of that cage going ah uh, 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 
<laughs> I was just like, what is this? What am I watching? Like, it, it, I felt I never felt more old, Joe. You know what I mean? I was just like, what is this? Why do people like this? I don't understand. And the man got in the ring, and every time he did anything, everybody chanted yeet. And I was like, I've lost. I'm, I don't know what's going on anymore. Well, you, you, you say you feel old, but the thing is, it's not a bunch of kids in the crowd. No, I know. They're it's like fucking grown ass men. Like people my age that live in the same town as me that I probably walk by on a daily basis. I work with some of these people, and they're going, We've talked about yeet, this. Yeet, yeet, yeet. And I'm like, what the fuck? We've talked about this guy. <laughs> right, the 35-year-old guy with yeah. the golden retriever, the golden doodle or whatever that you know works at an accounting firm or whatever. Yeah. and, and drives, a, drives a Hyundai. <laughs> he, 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 he goes to, to work. He pays his mortgage, throws a stick to his dog, you know. And then he goes to Raw and he fucking does the arm gesture and goes, yeet, <laughs> he, yeet, he yeet. wears his yeet shirt and goes, ah, 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 and like just, so who are these people? Like who, with main like, event Jay and and when Samantha Irvin goes, War Games, he goes, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So there's a disconnect, but I Rich, I don't think it's an age thing. I I I you know, I don't think it's like because I look at these crowds. This isn't like 1985, where it was a bunch of 10-year-olds. That's not what these crowds are. These are like these are adult crowds that go to these shows. I I don't get it. Like you, I still don't get it. But the point is, their stars are very much are much more over than AEW stars are. Oh God, yes. Um, which is reflected in the business. I mean, that's the name of the game: get people over, and then you know, hopefully, people draw money. You know, and right now, AEW just doesn't have a lot of wrestlers who are over, which is why they're not selling a lot of tickets. And um. We'll talk about that company later. But, yeah, this was a pretty dry show. The Women's War Games was built around uh, Bailey, really. I mean, damage control is going to turn on her at some mm-hmm. point. She just took 100% so, of the assault from from, from the, the babyface team, basically. Just one yeah, by one. Yeah, and it wasn't – and down. the match wasn't any good. It was, you know, trash cans and, and kendo sticks. Can, and can we just – Joe, can we – and I don't like and, war games. I think all war games suck. Can we just – can somebody stink. enter a war games match and not reach under the ring and pull out a trash can or a kendo stick yeah, or a chair? Can someone just it's... walk in? I just want Tully Blanchard to walk in and find somebody to punch. You know what I mean? Like that, that he's waiting for the door to open. Finally, the buzzer goes off. The door opens. He runs in. And he just finds people to punch. Can we just have well, somebody punch people again? Well, let's be clear on this. These are not war games matches. These are not. But That's... do we need five, four, three, two, one? Burn. And then Asuka comes out, and then she goes and runs under the ring to find a weapon. And then it takes seven minutes for her to get in the ring because she's searching for the right weapon. And then she pulls out a table, and the fans go, yeah! It's like, can someone just come and punch somebody? <laughs> can I just get something? But all War Games matches sucks, but that that's fine. A few of them are good. A few of them are okay. But, like, this, I, I, was, I was well over War Games after this night, for sure. Yeah, it, 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 you know, Samantha Irvin screaming, and it's hard to take. It really is hard to take, but I yeah, will, the match I will, no, just, Cody was the only guy in the men's match, I believe, that just ran in and just started punching people. And I was like, "Thank you, Cody. Thank you." Well, if you want to watch a thirty-four minute match with women just hitting each other with trash can lids and kind of sticks, <laughs> boy, and, do I have the match for you. Yeah, yeah I mean, I did nothing for me. Zero. For I me, was yeah. bored out of my mind, and then uh, Gunther uh, defeats the Miz. The story of this one was the Miz just getting his fucking ass kicked. And not being able to hang in any way, shape, whatsoever, or any form whatsoever with Gunther. So, so naturally uh, on Raw, the Miz stepped up to Gunther and said, "I want a rematch." <laughs> if I'm Gunther, of I'm course, because like, no, <laughs> I yeah. destroyed you in twelve yes. minutes. I chopped you for twelve minutes and then I pinned you. No, 
<laughs> you don't get a rematch. Why would you get a rematch? But so it's Paul it didn't, Levesque, it, so you know, we just keep going on the same. We just do the same match over, over yeah. and over, and yeah, it's um very boring, very boring promotion. But um, yeah, I mean, Gunther, it wasn't as a result. It wasn't the the greatest Gunther match, That's but fine. it wasn't structured to be that way. It's just structured <laughs> to be. And the thing about it is, you can have a match where an ass kicker totally destroys like a nerd, and it could be awesome. The problem is, no pun intended. The problem is the Miz is not the kind of guy who's going to take that kind of beating. You know, you can't work with him like that. You know what I mean? Like the Miz would shit his pants if he was booked with Roosh, you know, and, and like fake an injury or something <laughs> right, like you can't. Right. So it's like, you can't, he's the wrong guy for that. Cause he doesn't, he's not going to get off on taking that beating and creating that kind of art. He's, you know, so Gunther knows he can't lay into the Miz the way he lays into Ilya Dragunov. You know what I mean? He knows that. So the match wasn't as good as it could have been. For that kind of structure. Um, so anyway, uh, Robert Collins brings up a great point before before we go to the next match. We forgot to mention the women's war game match. Uh, again, Robert Collard in the note of chat room says, uh, you forgot to mention the man advantage in the women's match that was decided by a poll sponsored by Ruffles as there's Ruffles. Ads. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck this company. Yeah, the God. Throughout the show, which were. It just yeah. adds to the the like um, I don't understand I don't get it. It's just like oh yeah, Michael Cole's like oh well uh, this uh, match is sponsored by Ruffles, uh, brand new Ruffles <laughs> now, right? And I'm like oh my god. Well, anyway. look they, they, when Nick Khan came on board, he said they're going to focus and laser focus on corporate sponsors. Yeah, and they're and, making a shit ton of money on yep. it. So good, God bless them. They have a Slim yeah. Jim's thing with L.A. Knight and the New Day driving on a Slim Jim's Corvette or whatever the fuck car it was, and it was like Ruffles and Slim Jim and all that. I'm like, hey, you know what? Get that money, man. Get that money. I don't care. This company's already dog shit and anyway. Who cares? Tony, Tony Khan does the same thing with the video games and you know the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre deal and mm-hmm. and all. It's just unfortunately something you have to deal with in 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 Major League Pro Wrestling now. But you know WWE really like everything else. They just shove it down your throat. I mean, uh, they're making billions and billions of dollars. Do they need to chase every nickel? Right, so they need and the unfortunately, thousand dollars of the Ruffle sponsorship they got for this or whatever, you know. But. And unfortunately, the answer is yes. Yes, you know you have to chase every single nickel, and you know that's just the way it is. So um, Santos Escobar and Dragon Lee, and, and oh by the way. In that War Games match, the heels, uh, the baby faces had the advantage. Yes, right? sponsored so, by Ruffles. Yes, because the because they had a poll sponsored by Ruffles, and the fans voted for the baby faces to have the advantage. Sponsored by Ruffles, right? Which totally ruined the the psychology of the match because <laughs> yes. now everybody, your natural inclination is when the odds get even to get excited and charged up, and it looks like you're cheering for the heels. Just a total mess. But I will say I that they of, did do it in a good way that Bailey was the one that took most of the assault from the baby faces that had the advantage. And if we know yeah, that yeah. eventually Bailey is going to be the one that they turn on, which they're going to do, it does. So they, they made it work a little bit. I saw some people being a little more critical about it. I kind of get from where they did because the idea here is that you're supposed to kind of feel bad for Bailey because Bailey's about to get turned on by these people. So now will it happen so next now was, or it's Paula Vex? So it'll happen in nine months. I don't know what to tell you, but at some point she's going to yeah. get turned on by them. So next was the Santos Escobar Dragon Lee match I already talked about. A total nothing match. Boring thinking, as oh, fuck. That yeah. sounds good. I'll check that out. No. Surely Don't this bother. will be entertaining on this WWE Survivor Series premium live event. No, it's boring as fuck. Yeah. So Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark. As you noted, Zoe Stark isn't very over. Uh, no. Um, Mommy is and, over, but uh, not when she wrestles because 
these people don't care about wrestling matches. They care about entrances and and mommy, but don't really care when the bell rings. And the personalities and everything else. And I mean, what do we know? It's obviously been a winning formula. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, we're always on the losing team. Um, yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't remember anything about this match. It made no impression spot. on me. Joe, have you I said don't... remind me what spot? Remind me of just one spot in this entire match, Rich. I'm not asking for the whole match by match breakdown. Give me one spot in this match. I I got nothing for you. Well, uh, look, I'm sure Rio was cooking, and um, that was and a humper. It was, uh, it was indeed a humper. Yeah, indeed, so. I'm I'm sure. Bobby so, had a humper. Um, yep. Then it was the men's war games, which. Um, I thought was a little better than the women's war games, probably a lot better, honestly. Um, but again, it, it didn't, these matches, I just zone out, man. I just, I, I zone out. I know they do some really cool spots in these things. I know that when Orton came in, he teased a little dissension with Uso because they're the ones that put him out, you know, but the stories to this point is that since Uso is not in the bloodline anymore, then Orton doesn't have a problem with him. Um, so if you're into the story aspect of it, that's kind of the direction they're going with that. Um, yeah. And, and the baby faces win. And then they, you know, they did the whole CM Punk thing at the end of the show that we already talked about. Did you have any strong thoughts on the no, match itself? Not really. Yeah. It, it, All right. It's, great. Fantastic. <laughs> it's, I don't know. Like, after the show was done, I was just like, I don't know what to really say about the show. It, it, it's, it's just decidedly not for us. No, is the best thing I, I, have, I just, I have a note doc up and I have nothing. I have, I have yeah. the match. I wrote the match down, and then there's no notes, and then CM Punk comes out. And I'm like, I was watching it. I know I was watching it. I had my laptop on my lap the entire time. I wrote nothing. I wrote nothing. It's just like, I guess if you're into senior money in the bank, you know, cashing in his money in the bank, but then Randy Orton coming out and stopping senior money in the bank from cashing his money in the bank, then great. But I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. When they were like, oh, my God, Rhea's got the briefcase. Oh, my God, senior money in the bank. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. Great. Cool. Cash in. Yeah. Don't cash in. I don't fucking care. Orton's music hit. I went, great. These people care about Randy Orton in the year 2023. Great. I don't. It, it's Randy. I've, uh, I've never been more disconnected. The, oh, he is hitting the weights, Joe. He's hitting the HGH a little hard. Huh? Oh, I'm sure yeah, it was just Ico thick. Pro and a little bit of, you know, egg whites and uh, <laughs> some protein powder. Well, hard work in the gym. Yeah. Hard work in the gym. Yeah, this looks like a legend killer um, Randy Orton in more ways than one, for sure. He uh, he was I, looking he's quite never healthy. been this big. Quite healthy. No, he's never. Listen, he's never been this size. He's never been this size. This is the largest he has ever been. He's always been kind of had that slim muscular. Well, no, 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 he's no, no, never no. been. If you like... remember, he there was a brief time in like the 2005, 2006 where he was puffy, Randy Orton, where he was doing some bad type of steroid, and he was just a big puffball. He 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 was he was big, but he was puffy. Then he lost all of yeah. it and became like the slim, trim Randy Orton that you know from like the last ten years or whatever. This is like that a combination I don't of remember. the two. He's like puffy, but also cut at the same time. So uh, yeah, yeah. Good, good training regimen uh, that he's definitely been uh, been on, but uh, yeah, he was uh, he was looking pretty uh, pretty large, pretty pretty large. But uh, yeah, I don't know. JD McDonough did like a cutter from the top of the cage. Great. I don't know. All right, so I've avoided this. Let's pull up the old cage match and see what the inmates thought of the oh, show. You don't want to do that. I do want to do that. Okay. What's what's interesting is that the rating for the show is so wildly different than the ratings for all the matches, which is like a clear like what Whoa, eight point four eight for the show. But none of the matches are rated that high. Uh no, the both war games matches are over eight. I guess. Yeah. 
Oh, I see and Gunther yeah. Miz is 7.18. It's just the other two matches that don't have great ratings. But And then, you know, you toss in a little dash of punk. I could I could see why they would rate it high if you liked the War I Games guess, matches. Yeah, you came out, and yeah, that was a pretty now, incredible moment at the end. So Now, 98 people giving it a 10. I mean, let's pump the brakes. This is not <laughs> one of the greatest shows that have ever happened in pro wrestling history. Ulti King 92 um, says it is a greatest survivor series war games. Almost all the matches were exceptional, worthy of the greatest match in the history of the survivor series. The two war games were exceptional with Kyrie Sane's intervention for the women's war games and spectacular actions, not to mention the return of Randy Orton, in the ring during the men's war game match who made us Randy, a RKO on the fly and the DDT of the second string in sync with the other wrestlers of his team. Team. The return of our truth was not bad backstage. And of course, the return of, quote, the best in the world, unquote, CM Punk at the end of the show after nine years of absences. Ulti King 92. What? 10 out of 10. I, th- I feel like that's just English as a second language more so than. Yeah, uh, me too. I don't think yeah, it's AI. I don't think that's AI. Our um, truth came back. Uh, yeah, he was in the Ruffles segment. There was the segment where uh, oh, yeah. you forgot I, I, where they went backstage and Otis was uh, going, rah, rah, Ruffles, rah, rah, Ruffles. And our truth came out and said, I'm here in uh, Tacoma, Washington. I don't know what the fuck. He was doing one of his dumb R truth segments or whatever. And then they yeah. went, Oh my God. And then Akira Tazawa did his dance and then he farted or something. And then it was like, All right, cool, great. Whatever. Oh, he sure farted was on, hilarious. He farted on Raw. He farted on Raw. Sorry. This he just ah, danced. Sure, well. He did the dance and the jelly roll yeah. said that dance is bad. And they went, ha ha ha. And then we moved on. Sure it was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it was great, um, great stuff. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Well, I didn't even know our truth was gone. So <laughs> Yeah, I kind of had the same thought. Uh, Everyone's like, Our truth's back. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I understand he's a nice guy and everybody likes him, but who could possibly give a fuck about our truth? I mean, not me. In the year of twenty twenty three, there's people that are 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 Jumping up and down for Randall Orton and R-Truth returning to the television. All right. You know what, Rich? God bless them. Couldn't be me, but God bless them. At least they can feel something for pro wrestling in 2023. (laughs) Because I feel almost nothing. So who's the real, who's the loser here? Is it them or is it me? It's it's true, yeah. Well, I'm watching this uh, you know, uh, I, I, in the background of this. I'm watching the uh, the the Real World Tag League, and it appears uh, they were doing this show at the meat market. You know, sometimes they work at that like vegetable meat market outdoors. Yeah, one of my favorite venues for all Japan. And uh, the team of Cyrus and uh, who was it? Ryan Davidson. He's teaming with. Yes, the, they just want to match, and they requ- uh, they just acquired a uh, uh, big slabs of meat, and they seem very happy about that. So I, I was pretty happy for them to. Uh, well, I mean, if I want a slab of meat, in it a was a pretty match, substantial pretty slab of meat. I'll say, I'd be pretty happy too to win that. So good for them. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. So that's that's what um, I'm using to feel in wrestling in 2023. These people are using Yeet shirts and Randy Orton returning, but uh, hey, yeah. Uh, sorry, Jiro um, just got onto my screen, so I'm no longer feeling those same feelings that I had. So ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Jiro has uh, unfortunately returned to Japan. God damn I, I I wish they would have kept him employed so we wouldn't have to watch him. Yeah, he'd be great but, doing um, these Akira Tozawa dances with Akira Tozawa. They should rehire him. Paul, come on. I agree. Bring him back, Paul. Do the can, right thing, Paul. Yeah, do the dance. You, he's he's going to get booked everywhere. You know he's going to get booked mm. everywhere now. And and unfortunately, we're stuck with Jiro again. Yeah. He's not Jiro. He, he's, uh, did they buy his name or something? Oh, WWE? is he not Jiro? I'm watching with the sound off, so I don't know what, uh, what he is. Hold on. He is... Um, that's the wrong. There's like 19 Jiro's on Cage Match. Hold on. Ikiman Jiro. 
Is that like a rib because he's ugly? Like he calls himself Icky Man? Like, I, is that I, a rib? Maybe. All right. Um, he's Kiroshiro Tokyo, Japan. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. He's not – so did WWE like <laughs> – Did he sign the rights to Jiro away to did, them? Did he sign over his name? Yeah, I think he did because he, he hasn't – He must have. He hasn't been billed as Jiro anywhere in Japan on any of these shows. So, man, the guy goes over there. His career goes nowhere. He doesn't get past level up, and now he loses his name, which isn't that big of a deal, I guess. But it's kind of like the kind of got it's kind of like the Kurt Stallion thing too, where it was like, ah, dude, I don't know, like it's fine, but like, should you have signed your name away to them? Like, maybe don't do that. Yeah, when you're Kurt yeah. Stallion, maybe. Maybe just keep that Fucking one. Fucking Jiro. Nobody wants to Jiro, watch Yeah, I'm watching it on my screen. So I, I no longer am feeling. I'm no longer feeling anymore. <laughs> this, uh... Anyway, that was Survivor yeah. Series. Get into it right there. As you can tell, we'll be uh, on top of all the happenings in World Wrestling Entertainment moving forward. You know what people should be on top of, Rich, is the flagship Patreon with so much new content. I mean, it is incredible. Stupid amount of content that we've been doing. Um. Obviously, the $10 tier is going to get you access to everything, including the live, unedited flagships. And then uh, we've just had so much content. You started that Brett versus Owen series. Mm -hmm. Episode one out there. uh, Brett versus Owen covering the uh, Brett Hart versus Owen Hart feud, obviously, beginning. uh, Released the episode on the 30th anniversary of Survivor Series 1993 when it all started. We're going to be going... um, Month by month for the entire thing. We're not going to do all through uh, the, the end of the summer, but we're going to do month by month in the, uh, uh, obviously, November I did the turn at Survivor Series. December, we're going to have the kind of the reconciliation uh, between Brett versus Owen. Uh, January, of course, you're going to have the Royal Rumble uh, turn, kick the leg out of the leg, you know, class, classic turn there. Uh, February, March, we'll talk about the WrestleMania match, uh, and then we'll do a little bit about the SummerSlam and a little bit about everything after that. But, yeah, a deep, deep, deep dive, deeper than anyone's ever done. Uh, the Bret Hart versus Owen Hart feud from uh, 1993 and 1994 uh, is up there right now at patreon.com slash voice of slash Patreon or flash of patreon.com. Episode one out there right now, $5 tier, Bret versus Owen. But uh, really happy about it, and uh, feedback's been great for it. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I already got a lot of the notes ready for uh, the December episode, and it's going to be really, really good as well. So the October Notebook Roundup went out about a week ago. Uh, people love that column where I – uh, Cold together all the best matches worldwide in a given month. Uh, it's loaded with statistics, top 10 matches of the month, top five wrestlers of the month. And um, it's a great way to keep up with some of the best matches worldwide that may have slipped through the cracks. And uh, the October edition just recently went out. I just put an article out yesterday uh, on the heels of a few weeks ago when I wrote that article about the blatant uh, free WWE PR that a lot of the wrestling media did when SmackDown changed nights for the World Series, which, Rich, that ruffled a few feathers it in the wrestling media world. It did ruffle some feathers, world. indeed. People, That's putting it lightly, yes. Some people were angry at us, to say the least, you. that I wrote that article. Well, coming to uh, me, me to be angry yes, at angry you, me. and I'm like, I don't know, I'll talk to him. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah, they never just come talk to me. I mean, I'll talk to them. But, um <laughs> That's not true. Sometimes they definitely come talk to me. But uh, it's uh, I had a follow-up because we had another situation on uh, – this time it was uh, on Tuesday when the Raw ratings came out. It seemed as though it was very obvious that WWE once again 
carpet bombs of the media with uh with with pr that they wanted put out and uh so there's a follow-up article this time focusing on the mainstream media it seems like wwe didn't hit up the wrestling media for this one for the raw ratings they hit up the mainstream they media went for sports business so journal was, the athletic yeah like those, those, those level of people yeah multiple tweets all put out between 1105 and 1120 on uh on tuesday all at the same time just like the smackdown reminder tweets that i wrote about the first time but um i put out another column and you know obviously uh you know uh, we know that wwe nudged these people to tweet like they did last time with the smackdown tweet no matter how much a lot of those people deny it we all know the score and what really happened but it happened again and this time you know we, we had an admission from richard deitch from the athletic who admitted that he got sent a text and was told to put it out and he did but the difference is he made it clear that he was sent the text and he, right. was he said wwe says blank right so I get into the differences between uh, citing that you're passing along PR and not citing that you're passing along PR and 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 making it look like it it's an organic news tweet, which is which is where I have a problem with it. But anyway, if you want to read the whole column, it's there, and I go into some other issues as well. You know, um, another another rant about. Uh, the media embarrassing themselves at these at these press conferences and how it all ties in and how the wrestling media really isn't helping themselves by by defending the the cartoonish clownish antics that uh that that their fellow media members uh participate in when they go to these press conferences so uh that there that column is up obviously the thursday dynamite reviews every single week you will find those behind the paywall uh, match of the week. This week, I found a real gem. That Roddy Piper and Bob Orton versus King Tonga versus Superfly Afi from from Kuwait in 1986. Um, first of all, I did a mountain of research just to nail down when the match took place. That's number one. And I write about it in the piece. And then the match itself, I mean, I wasn't expecting what I got. It was a real gem. Did you watch it or no? I haven't watched it yet. I was planning on actually watching it after this show. I, I tend to go, like, I'll just pop things up on YouTube or whatever. I'll just put random wrestling on when I'm trying to go to bed after this show. And 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 this seems like a great match to do that. So I, I think that was my plan uh, after the show to, to, to do it. So, no, I have not watched it yet, but I am planning on watching it tonight. Well, it shocked the hell out of me because I thought they were just going to go through the motions and have a typical nineteen mid-1980s WWF, you know, house show style match but they went out there and plundered it up and fucking cv afi got color and it was just a wild wild match that blew away what i thought i was gonna get so there's an interesting write-up of course with the match of the week i always try to do an interesting write-up it's not just a, a youtube upload now, here watch this match no i do some research i write do a nice write-up i give you some history so i think this is one of the more interesting match of the weeks that i've done in some time and then uh the last thing i want to plug on the Patreon side is an article I wrote last week because we haven't had a show since that article went up and it has, it has become known as the, you can't be half a gangster article because I used a quote from the show boardwalk empire to tie the piece together. Um, the title, the official title of the piece though, is it's Tony Khan, not the fans who needs to put his money where his fucking mouth is. And of course the column was inspired by Tony Khan's comments at the full gear press conference, where he told the fans who wanted clean wrestling on his, uh, in his promotion to put their money where their fucking mouths are and watch the, uh, continental classic. So, uh, I wrote a column, 
basically uh, making it clear why number one, Tony Khan was out of line for making a comment like that. But this 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 sideways direction that AEW has gone in and how it started and and where it's going and why it's a problem and the the piece got absolute rave reviews from everybody who read it but more importantly and i think more interest maybe not more importantly but more interestingly it's made its rounds around the wrestling business right it got read and it got read and seen by a lot of people it got read and seen by a ton of people and we got feedback from you know wrestlers i've gotten feedback from multiple wrestlers inside AEW who read the piece and um said basically uh, that I hit the nail on the head and identified all of the issues going on in that company right now. And, and I couldn't have been more right. And Rich can co-sign at least one of those people mm-hmm. from inside the company who, um, and we're talking main eventers here. I mean, I'm talking everyone from main eventers to right on down the line. This article made the rounds and, you know, uh, quietly behind the scenes in pro wrestling, media people, people in AEW. Um, trust me, eyeballs have seen this. The eyeballs that, you know, I, I had a lot of people say, you need to send this to so-and-so. I, believe me, I think everybody has seen it <laughs> at this point. Uh, trust me when I say that. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's, look, I don't mince words. It's a very biting piece. It certainly isn't going to make me any friends. I'm sure there's some people annoyed and agitated with me. And, you know, because I go after some people pretty hard in it. But it's gotten tons of praise, too. And it's gotten praise from the AW locker room, which is something that, You know, it's like I said on the TV review today when I did the Dynamite review. Don't think that the people in the company aren't aware what the current problems are in the company. That being this weird sports entertainment-like direction that the company has taken this year. And the fact that – and what the article centers around, AEW losing their identity and no longer being an alternative in the space. And – um that's really what a lot of the people who have given me feedback have agreed with strongest that they've lost their identity and they're no longer uh, uh, positioned as an alternative. And, you know, that's what's uh, what, what has a lot of people even inside the company concerned with and, 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 and down about. And, um, you know, so that's, again, that's, that's a column. So that again, $10, $10 tier will get you everything we ever do. So, uh, that's what I would recommend people subscribe to. And you could read all these columns that we're talking about. You could hear all the audio that we're talking about and you could check out that, uh, what has come to be known inside the wrestling business as you, you can't be half a gangster piece. So, um, you can go ahead and read that. And you know, like I said, almost universal rave reviews, you know, no one has contacted me to tell me to fuck off yet. I'm sure they're thinking it, but, um, look it, you know, it was stuff that, uh, had to be said and it's stuff that i've been saying since march and you know it's uh and now it's become just the common criticism of the company and 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 the uh and the direction that they're going to the to the point where you know mjf just tweeted you know yeah you know before um let me pull up the mjf tweet and then we could transition right out it's, of it's been re- it's being referenced on so, <laughs> it's, it's being alluded to slash reference on uh actual aw television by 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 multiple people not not only just mjf i mean, moxley definitely talked so, about it as well a little bit so yeah yeah moxley and his uh i guess um, it wasn't on tv whatever the promo that they did for youtube or twitter or whatever yeah very very right. very heavily referenced you know or, or alluded to at least there and then mjf quite basically for people who haven't seen it moxley was talking about how 
the Continental Classic is is more of what AEW needs to be. And AEW right. two guys to... get in the ring to determine which guy is better than the other guy. You know what I mean? That that's what right. it's all about. And so MJF before Dynamite tweets out, "I didn't sleep a wink, in a shit ton of pain, and can't get comfortable." But it's Wednesday. We got a show to put on. I hear it all. I read it all. I see it all. I'm wide awake in more ways than one. Let's restore the feeling. Listen, everyone in that company is aware of the criticisms and, you know, and now you're seeing them express it publicly. So, and if you saw dynamite last night, they took some baby steps in, mm-hmm. in reverting mm-hmm. uh, and getting away from a lot of this goofiness that I has, agree. you know, look, it was the least goofy I'm, show that they've done in a while. And I think what, what was more yes. telling, and I don't know if you brought this up in, in the Thursday dynamite review, but one thing that I loved about the show was everything was done looking at the camera to the camera or in the ring. The lone exception was the timeless Tony thing, but at least the timeless Tony thing, you had RJ city walk back into the room to talk to her. So at least you had the idea that the no hidden cameras, nobody backstage seeing a segment or whatever. None of that stuff. Everything was done looking at the camera with an interviewer, you know, all all that or done quite literally in the ring. So that was to me a a pretty small step as well. I maybe should should say a big step from where they were for a lot of 2023, where you had the hidden camera, you had just pre tapes, all this sort of shit. The lone exception was the time with Tony thing. And even then I don't even count that because RJ city did go back there and say, hi, I'm here with, you know, timeless Tony or whatever. So I thought that was good. Yeah. I mean, the theme of my, review this week for the show was show us don't tell us yeah you know you can you can sit there and tell us you want to restore the feeling you could sit there and tell us right. that and he's done that criticisms. before he did the everybody get on my back i'm gonna lead us to the promised land type shit or whatever and i was like all right yeah he's done that like he's yeah, done this like seven times already so and i don't want to even just pick on mjf specifically it's 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 got to be a company thing where they finally look themselves in the mirror and say yeah we are you know losing some people you know, and and maybe that is the reason that we're only putting three thousand people in a building for a dynamite, or you know, um, and I and I think a lot of their consumer metrics that they're struggling with are being masked by the fact that they're running more pay per views, and they have a ten million dollar gate at Wembley, and they have another two hours of TV, so they are generating more revenue. There's no question about it, but is that obscuring that they're running some people off? You know, and and um. And 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 now there there can be no doubt. I mean, there's basically public admissions from people in the company that they have gotten off course of what this company used to be and what they used to stand for and the type of product that they were trying to put out. And last night, I thought I I call it baby steps. I'm I'm not I'm not going to sit here and throw roses because they had a decent dynamite. I didn't even think it was a great show. I thought it was a good show, and I want to see more. And I want to see proof that. Uh, they're, they're moving away from some of the, the goofier aspects of the show and getting back to being an alternative, which, by the way, I think MJF used that word in his promo last night about four times. He did. I think he, 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 you know, so, again, they're cognizant of what the issues are. MJF you know, did and, that. And, uh, or, sorry, I should say Moxley did that interview with uh, comicbook.com where he said we have to stop being like every other wrestling promotion. There's millions of those. We need to be alternative. We need to be something new, something different, something unique. That's right. So, again, another public comment 
from from someone in the company. So they 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 know what's going on. And by the way, where are my critics who said this wasn't really happening? Where are they now, Rich? Where are the critics? I uh, can't find them with the search probably, party. Probably, probably where person. are the critics who told me for months and months and months that I was out of my mind and that the tone of the company hadn't changed and none of this was really yeah, happening? They're, they're where posting, are they? They're posting where boss baby memes somewhere in some universe. Where are they? Where are, my, where are my critics? Writing think pieces that no one's going to read. That's what they're doing. Where are my critics? They're gone, Rich. I can't find them anywhere. Um, you know, now that basically the company themselves are admitting that I was right. <laughs> right. But, All the top stars in the um, company are admitting <laughs> that I was right publicly and privately, by the way. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, you know, when it comes to AW, let's see show, don't tell, let's see now if we can circle back and, uh, and get back on track and, and, and be the rebellious alternative that, that, that used to be now QT Marshall leaves the company, uh, this week. And people might be saying, all right, so what? An undercard prelim wrestler uh, leaves the company. But what you have to understand about QT Marshall is at one point, he was the number two. He legitimately was like the number two to Tony Khan um, at, 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 at certain points in the company's history. That spot is now occupied by Jimmy Jacobs. That is not a secret. In fact, Tony Khan has said Tony that will publicly. tell you that. Tony will tell you that if you ask him. I mean, he says it at the pressers. He said he laid that out at a presser and he tells you if you talk to him privately, he'll, he'll tell you. So Jimmy Jacobs is the number two right now. Uh, QT Marshall used to occupy that position. Obviously Cody leaving the company. Uh, the nightmare factory has slid down the, the, uh, the, the power rankings there and QT Marshall as someone who was office, um, slowly slid down the ranks uh and he obviously noticed that and this was not something that came together quickly um i was told a while ago that that he probably would be exiting the company i think he did sign a really short-term extension at some point maybe just yeah to tie up i loose remember ends. that now yeah it was about but, six months ago or so that he said yeah it was like yeah. some short term like just to get through the end of the year and now the end of the year has happened and, and he said that too i i you know he's I can read his exact quote if you want um, right here. He says, thank you, AEW. Thank you, Tony Khan. I've had the privilege of being here since day one. And when he says day one, he means quite literally day one because uh, All In, uh, the original All In, he was the first person I met at the building when he was helping out all the, uh, all, all the, all the media get through the building or whatnot. So he was like day one, day one, day one stuff with All In. Like he was involved ground floor of All In. But, uh, you know, and, and I, I've written over 750 formats for All Elite Wrestling and always with pride. As much as I've enjoyed being a VP, manager of talent relations, and wearing a myriad of different hats, the company has changed a lot since 2019 and is heading in a different direction. And I feel that it's best to do the same as we only get one chance to go all in. I've officially resigned from AEW and will be fulfilled and will have fulfilled all obligations by the end of 2023. Thank you to everyone from the front office to the production trucks to some of the hardest working talent in the sport. Most importantly, thank you to those who booed, cheered, or took part in the season of my life. So look, um, it's very obvious that the creative pro crew has usurped the nightmare factory crew when it comes to influence um, in what you're seeing on screen. And right. AW which is your Pat box, your, your Kevin Matthews, your MJF, MJF. Yeah. You know, the guy who probably uh, who helped get most of those people probably, you know, increases in jobs or jobs in general, MJF, a guy who was trained at that, at that school. So, yeah. And you can clearly see a shift in what we're getting on screen, because if anyone remembers what wrestle pro slash, uh, uh, pro wrestling syndicate which was the original name of the wrestle pro promotion that pat buck owned with eric pleska 
uh, that we used to cover on this show a lot back in 2013, 2014. Um, they had a business falling out. Eric Pleska owned the name Pro Wrestling Syndicate. So Pat Buck uh, had to change, had to technically form a new, uh, create a new promotion, and that's how WrestlePro was born. But all the talent went with Pat Buck because he was the better businessman, the better boss, the better promoter, the better booker. And Pleska kind of, he kept the name PWS, but, and he tried to run some shows in the aftermath of the split, but he didn't last very long at all. And the next part, I swear I'm not making up. He eventually turned pro wrestling syndicate into a women's bikini volleyball uh, uh, promotion. Right. I'm not making any of not, that up. None That's, of that is made up. None of that is made up. But, and, and obviously that, that didn't work out either. And then I don't believe Eric Pleska has anything to do with the wrestling business anymore. Yeah, what does that um, website look like? Let me see where the Pro Wrestling Syndicate website Because the last time we checked, it uh, went to the Women's Volleyball. The Bed of like Nails, that. it doesn't, I don't think it exists anymore. I think that the domain is dead. But, um... Oh, that's right. It was Bed of Nails. Yeah. Well, it was Nails with a Z, right? Of course. And also, DragonGateUSA.com would redirect to PWS. Oh, that's right. Let's see what DragonGateUSA... They were sticking it to Gabe. Yeah. Um, so... Because I'll buy all that. those URLs. I'll buy USA.com right now if I can. They're, they're all dead. The point here is, um, you know, Pat Buck went on to form Wrestle Pro, which really was the spiritual successor to PWS. And my, the point here that I'm making is anyone that was familiar with the Wrestle Pro product or the PWS product, it was very heavily the worst parts about WWE influenced, very sports entertainment heavy, for lack of a better term. Um, so it's no surprise that. When, you know, with MJF coming out of that, um, create a pro school and and being influenced heavily by that sort of that that what we're seeing in, in AEW is, you know, it, 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 it's, it's not surprising to me at all, um, you know, but um, anyway, QT Marshall falls down the depth chart in terms of influence. He knows that. Um, and like any pro wrestler, he feels like he should be a major star. I mean, talk to any pro wrestler and they'll tell you that they should be main eventing. Um, do I think QT Marshall should be a main event wrestler? I do not. I, I do not. I don't think he has the necessary charisma. I like QT Marshall and I like his work. And I think he is. I would hire him Absolutely. day one mm -hmm. if I was starting a wrestling company. To be an undercard stooge heel. Absolutely. Uh, people always laugh when I say the first, like, I'd call a couple, but, like, my fourth or fifth call would be to Tony Nese. I'd call Tony Nese right away and say, I need you in my company. You're, you're going to be, and, and Marshall would be not that far after Tony Nese as a guy, because yeah, you, you need you know, those guys. You always say you need. You need those guys. You can't you, you hire, you can't have a roster of 25 stars. It doesn't work. You have to have people to fill every role. And as an undercard stooge heel, QT Marshall is great. He's great in that role. He just is. And the other thing about him is there's a lot of people on that roster who who like him and respect him and are real upset that he's gone. Mm -hmm. I got a phone call from a wrestler on that roster who told me that QT Marshall was leaving, and they were in absolute distress. And it, 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 there's plenty of people who feel that way about QT Marshall leaving. He was considered very helpful in – you know, uh, giving advice, how to put matches together, recommending spots in matches, things like that. Um, and you know, it, it's, and it's, it's a, it's maybe one of the final pieces of the nightmare factory puzzle, uh, that are, that are no longer going to be there. And, and they just, he fell out of favor. And from that standpoint, 
it's a bigger story than than people think. Now, the QTV stuff fucking sucked. I'm not going to sit there and tell you that that was any good. The thing about these stories is this never has to be black and white. I mean, do I think QT Marshall has good ideas that, that, that end up on screen? No, absolutely not. I think a lot of QT Marshall's ideas were part of the problem. Right. Right. With the QTV stuff and and he he is very much you know a, 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 again this term it's just the best way to put it he's very much into sports entertainment and you know he made those New Japan comments to Nick Hausman which I think Nick Hausman did a very poor job of of parsing out I don't think QT Marshall meant literally that AEW was mirroring New Japan's uh, more rigid you know uh, storytelling style I think. I, I, I wasn't there. I don't know what Hausman was told. He didn't talk to Marshall directly, though. If you you notice, he attributes those quotes to other sources close to Marshall. I think it was probably more of a thing where he said, "Ah, we're bringing in you know Will Osprey and Kyle Fletcher and all these New Japan people, and we're doing these New Japan tournaments." Because it's very obvious if you watch AEW that they are not mirroring New Japan <laughs> right. Nobody style. that watches both of those companies thinks, "Ah, gosh darn it, AEW is just becoming too much like New Japan pro wrestling." Nobody, and that was laughed yeah, and, at I, and, and 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 rightfully ridiculed by everybody who read that article. It's just a poor job of 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 parsing out those comments because you got to follow up. up. Then the next follow up needs to be now. Hold on, that doesn't make sense. Why would he say that? Yeah, or, or to, what specifically? Know. Or even if you don't want to push back on like it doesn't make sense, what specifically of a that is a that, uh, what specifically is happening in AEW right now that is reminiscent of New Japan for wrestling? Or what 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 to you? More specifically, what do you mean when you say that? What what when you say it's becoming more like all Japan or New Japan for wrestling? What do you mean by that? And let him sort of take the ball in his court. But like you said, we're talking between an intermediary or whatever. And like you said, it was probably right, a game right. of telephone where QT right. Marshall said, ah, we're bringing in these wrestlers. And to him, New Japan Pro Wrestling, quote unquote, is, and this is just me paraphrasing. I don't know if this is actually what QT Marshall thinks, but the way I read it was, we're doing a tournament and we're bringing in Will Ospreay. We're doing New Japan stuff. You know, we're doing matches that don't really have any stories. This is New we're, Japan we're, shit. We're doing Forbidden Door and Wrestle Dream. And, right, and, right. You know, stuff like that. You know, it's like, uh, and we're in a business relationship with New Japan. I think that Wrestle Purist did a much better write-up on the situation. Um, I think they have people there who are closer to it. And I think that even Fightful debunked the New Japan, the, the product being like New Japan as the reason Marshall left. Fightful debunked it. So um, anyway, you know, he, he, he just, he fell out of favor, you know, and, and, and he's going to move on. And I don't know what's next for him. I mean, you know, he obviously was the AAA Latin American champion for a time, and he worked really hard with that title, defending it on indie shows. And AAA was happy to have him have that title because it meant that their title was going to be on AEW TV. That was what AAA was getting out of that. And um, he dropped that title, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago. But I think that there's work in AAA there if he wants it, and he could probably be a main event level heel there if he wanted to be. And... You know, it's it's if he wants to be a main event wrestler, I think AAA might be his best path if that's what he wants out of this. I also think that there's the obvious connection with Cody, right? Where Cody could get him in, but you know, maybe as an agent, you know, because everyone praises his work in that kind of role. I he wouldn't. I don't think he would get very far on their roster as a wrestler. 
Oh, no, you no, know, no, I, no. Not the way he looks and not the way he works and not the charisma and all that sort of stuff. And again, like, I like him. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be a day one but, hire but, for but, me for my promotion that I would do, but not for World Wrestling Entertainment in 2023. No way. But he wants to be a star, and he's not going to – look, I know he hits the pillow at night thinking he's going to be. And everybody does. I, would, for the record, and, you, and you, you pointed this out too, but I think we need to reiterate this again. Nobody joins the wrestling business, and nobody is in the wrestling business to be – a jobber on dark or to be on rampage or be on everybody wants to main event WrestleMania and be the top star and win all the titles. Every wrestler thinks that they can do it. Right. And every wrestler thinks if I just got the opportunity, I would be able to do that, but I'm not getting the opportunities. Every, every wrestler is unhappy with their push unless they're in the main events. That's just how it's been forever. I'm going to tell you right. I'm going to tell you something right now. I'll tell you something right now. There are three wrestlers in America happy with their push. (laughs) Roman Reigns, MJF and Cody. I'm telling you right now. Right. There are three wrestlers in America happy with their push. Every other guy wishes they would get pushed, win more matches, and, they and, and, and get the it. opportunity. Yes. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. Now, you might have people on the way down who accept that their time has passed or they like that they're making a nice check. I'm sure R-Truth is happy with his spot. There's a good example that we just talked about. You know, but it's like that's a different kind of situation. You know, and I'm sure there's prelim wrestlers in every Nobody company. Nobody in their who, prime you know, is cool being right. on the undercard. Not a single person. And you shouldn't be. You know what? I don't want you. That's that. You shouldn't go through this industry saying, ah, you know what? Whatever. Who cares? You know, because you're not going to go very far, especially in this business. You everybody has to think. And that's how, you know, and maybe it's delusional. Maybe you think it's ridiculous, but that's how they think. That's that's just, you know, get in the mind of a wrestler. Talk to a wrestler. Most of them would tell you, yeah, you know, if they just get, you know, if the right guy gave me the right opportunity, I, I could, I could main event that match, or I could do this, or I could have the best match of the night, or yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, they all think that, and that's fine. That's good. That's good to think that. Hey, everybody got every guy in an NBA bench, like you said. Every, you, maybe there's the veterans on the way down. Those guys on the NBA bench, they don't care. They're just happy to get their 12 minutes a game and get their contracts or whatever. But everybody under the age of 30 that's sitting on an NBA bench just knows, ah, shit. If I, if they, if they gave me an opportunity, gave me the ball, I could be an all star. You know, I could win a title. Yeah. Every single and I'm guy. I'm sure, you that. know, you, you know, and now the chat's getting sassy coming up with other examples. Look, the, the, the point here is most wrestlers are not happy with their position or their push. Right. No, the nobody in their prime. And, and, and QT is still. And, quote, and a quote, lot of these prime. guys have a self-inflated idea of how far they can go. And, right. And, and that's just because they're confident, you know, and, and, you know, and then he's a guy who wants, you know, so I don't know if he would. My point here was that if Cody can get him in as an agent or something, I don't know based on the way people have, have said he views himself, if he would even want that right now, you know, cause he thinks he can go somewhere and be a star. So we'll see where he ends up. But I, I will say that, you know, it's, it's a bigger loss to a lot of people in that company than you would think. And this was someone who at one point was uh, very high on, on the, uh, in the pecking order in terms of, of, of influence in the company. So uh, now in terms of, if you're concerned with, you know, dopey on-screen product. It's probably a net positive that he's gone because his ideas were were very silly. I mean, everyone saw QTV. It sucked. Um, you know, QTV was awful. And I can tell you that when CM Punk came back and they gave CM Punk Collision, one of the first orders of business that CM Punk wanted to do on Collision was get Will Hobbs away from QTV and get QTV as far from Collision as he could. I mean, that that I was told that when I I was I was told. I basically saw the format for the first two-hour collision. And one of the things on that format was Will Hobbs turns on QTV and beats everybody up. 
and splits from Q. That was supposed to be on the very first collision, and they never ended up doing it, and they just kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And then eventually they did split them off from it, but I don't think it was with the big I don't remember. Maybe someone can correct me, but I don't remember it being a big angle or a big beatdown or anything like no, that. No, I, I, I don't just, think it was anywhere near what what, what we all what kind it was of thought originally was supposed to happen. Be. We yeah, thought it would be like, it was you know, laid segment out. would happen, and then he would just start you know larrying you know QT's head off and powerbombing Johnny TV or whatever the fuck. Well, that that was the plan. I mean, yeah. that was literally the plan. Right, right. So, um, but but they didn't they they didn't do it that way. He you know, um, I think eventually he beat up QT, but it wasn't you know, and it, it didn't happen. Because, you know, the whole Punk thing with Collision, it, it's it's a tricky thing because while Punk had a ton of power on his, in his little corner with his Island of Misfit toys, there was also a lot of stuff pushed back on. So it wasn't like his complete vision. Right, right. Well, he couldn't, he couldn't change, like, you know, he could change his little Island of Misfit toys, like you said, and kind of maneuver them how they wanted. But then he was kind of like, oh, hey, can we change this and this and this? And they're like, hold on a minute. <laughs> like, this is something we have on like, all like, of our well, shows well, right well, now. We can't just change it because you don't like it. Like, we're not, you well, know. Make, not... No, make no mistake. Like, he, he was, it's so hard for me to put in the words. He controlled the show. Don't make mistake. Don't make that, you know, make no mistake about that. But there were a lot of things that Punk wanted to do that he was told no on. And punk being punk is he would still go on TV and try to do those things, which is why it always looked like he was in 20 different directions because, you know, he wanted to, uh, you know, fuck it. He wanted to work with MJF, which is why he was carrying around the, the, the real world title or whatever. And he wanted to do business with MJF, but, Max wasn't interested. He wanted to see out the story with the brochachos and felt that doing a diversion and doing a story with punk would just derail or take attention off of this very long-term story that he was that he was laying the groundwork for with Adam Cole and the brochacho stuff. So that's one example of something punk wanted to do that he was told no on and ultimately didn't get to do. But what did he do? He came out every week with that fake title belt anyway. Because he's CM Punk. And he's not going to take no for an answer. And he was baffled that MJF would rather do this goofiness with Adam Cole than do uh, sort of this 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 big match with him, with the lineal champion, to determine who the real champion was. But that is one example of something he couldn't have. And there's other obvious examples. He obviously, very obviously wanted to do business with the elite and they were just never going to have that. Yeah. And he's CM Punk. So he was going to constantly cut promos on him anyway, in defiance to the detriment of both the collision show and the promotion as a whole, you know? So, you know, it's like on one hand, he had a lot of control because a lot of what you saw on collision was straight out of the mind of CM Punk. On the other hand, he got told no a lot. And even a lot of the stuff on collision didn't play out or, and, or wasn't done in the exact way that he wanted to do it because that's just how wrestling is now with certain things. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like he lost a lot of battles too, even though he did have a lot of control over that show. 
Well, and, well, and, and it also it, it played a weird part, and it felt like it at the time too, where Collision felt like it was on its own little world and its own little universe or whatever. Because then things that would happen on Collision wouldn't necessarily be followed up with or or or, or you know carried over to to Dynamite and Rampage or whatever. And that, that's why you can't do that unless you're going to make a dedicated roster, unless you're going to do a quote unquote fully dedicated roster split like we talked about at the time, like. It was always going to be kind of weird that like people were sort of one way on collision, then another way elsewhere. It was just, I mean, that that that, that structure was just never going to work. And 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 obviously, what we saw was 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 what the end result was eventually going to be with, with that show, where it was just it felt like it was on its own little island and its own little world or whatever. And there's a way to do that and make it work, but but the way that they did it was not, you know, they they half did it. <laughs> you know, I mean, they they look, they, look it was untenable. It was never going to work. No, having. Punk run a show on Saturdays that that was kind of in the same unit. It just it was a mess. Right. It was a semi universe that he kind of created, but it also had to adhere to some of the universe rules of the other AEW universe. But then all the other AEW universe didn't relate at all to the collision universe. It was never going to work. It was a fucking. And he's trying to force things that weren't ever going to (laughs) happen. I want to be clear. I'm not defending any of this. I'm just telling people how it was. Yeah, that that's what the structure was meant to be, and and why it probably was never going to actually. And how one of his big things was Will Hobbs has to get as far away from QTV as possible. And I don't want QTV anywhere on collision. Yeah. Which I'm with him on that. I don't agree with him him on a lot of things, but that uh, is definitely one of them that I do agree. Listen, punk, you know, it's again, everyone wants everything to be black and white. He was right about a lot of things. Okay. And he had a lot of good ideas in terms. I'm telling you right now, a lot of the things that punk wanted to do that, you know, on collision or, or just in general would have had our listeners hooting and hollering. I'm telling you right now. And I know everybody gets mad. If you say anything good about CM Punk, you have certain people who are just going to just lose their fucking minds over it. Okay. But that's the truth. But the flip side of, of CM Punk is all of the other fucking bullshit that becomes untenable. He is Phil Brooks. So there's problems there. Yes. But did he have more of a vision for pro wrestling that aligns with people like us and our listeners? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Unquestionably. Unquestionably. Yeah. Okay. But it's like with, you know, it's either without hundred percent control of of the creative and what you're going to do, it was always going to come off half baked. And I thought collision, you know, I thought a lot of those collision shows were really good anyway. I I mean, you know, eventually, yeah. I mean, eventually they, 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 they weren't, they weren't super exciting shows all the time, but they were logical and they had kick-ass matches. I loved all those multi-man tag team main events and things like that. Um, FTR versus, versus the, the one-hour best of three falls FTR yeah, versus Bullet great. Club match was great. All those six-man tags with Punk was, were great. Um, you know, and 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 it's just it, it, disjointed, not. You know, it's too many forces, too many cooks, the same, you know, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the point here is QT Marshall. We'll see what his next move is. Um, I do have a, a bit of an update on bedofnails.com with a Z. All right. Uh, currently owned by Alistair Black, I believe. Uh, Malachi Black no, on AEW television. No, not a chance. Uh, bedofnails.com with a Z. Bedofnails with a Z.com. Uh, quote, the ultimate personal blog of gothic definition and meaning. Welcome to Bed of Nails. Bed of Nails, a personal gothic horror stories blog. We all know about the word goth. Well, many of us, like me, have been acquainted with this word after I watched the movie Gothica. 
Actually, Gothica has nothing to do with the word goth. Goth is a word that has its origins rooted in the Germanic people of the 5th century and are credited for capturing the Romantic country. Goth, since they, uh, since then, has been associated with the dark, grisly, and creepy figures by most people all over the world because of their lack of knowledge regarding the meaning of the word goth itself. But gothic lifestyle is an actual lifestyle, and it has more than you can initially presume about it. And then the links are, do you believe in ghosts, gothic lifestyle, spooky stories, spooky slots, and then contact. So there you go. So not literally Alistair Black. I mean, I don't know that. I, I don't, It doesn't say Alistair Black, but it seems like a type of website that Alistair Black would enjoy reading. So You know, this is remind. We did this about five years ago. This same exact fucking thing where you looked up this website to see if it was still connected to WrestlePro and we discovered that it was this thing. We did this. <laughs> was, this it is... gothic? was it gothic? The you don't even remember. Yeah, no, I don't. We did this. I so thought we did once it. Again, it, was the, it was the Sexy Volleyball organization. No, 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 no. no okay. No, 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 no. no. That, it was that the was goth. It was the goth thing. It was this thing. We we, we maybe like... made fun of Malachi Black or what, was he, what would he be? At? Tommy End at that time, yeah. No, we didn't know he was a geek until he was in. Um, oh, when he got fired from WWE, and he was like, "Yeah, Paul yeah, really liked all the, my yeah. ideas. I was going to come down soaking in right. blood." <laughs> they all said it was a good idea, but they didn't do it on TV. Oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, a um, couple other notes. We got to move this along. This show, absolutely, we knew this was going to happen. Yeah. So, all in ticket sales. So it looks like they're going to do well again because. Now the general t- the general on sale is Friday, Correct. tomorrow if you're listening live. Right. So there'll be an uptick there, but they already have, according to WrestleTix, an estimated anywhere between twenty five thousand and twenty nine thousand tickets out just from the pre sale. So this is already their second biggest gate of all time, and they're, you know, this is obviously going to be another massive success. I mean, anytime you put. 40,000 people in any building you cannot call a show a failure. I don't care if he did 80,000 last time. If you to me, if they put 40,000 in that building, that's a success, but they're obviously going to do way more than 40,000. Yeah, I, I see them in, almost if they're already at 27,000 or whatever, which which is what it was a couple days ago, probably up to now 29,000 after the pre-sale. We're going to general on sale. We're, we're going to get over 40,000 easily, I, I would say. And then I think you could pretty conservatively get to 50,000, I, I, I think. Now, is it going to get 80? I don't know about that. I don't think you're going to get 80,000. But, yeah, I can't. If you're between 40,000 and 50,000, that's a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous success for a professional wrestling show. So I, 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 I can't, I can't, can't sit here and that. tell you they're going to. I can't sit here and tell you they're going to do 80 again. But I think 40 is a lock. And then anything after that is gravy. And, and here's the thing. The tickets are way more expensive. They can they can they can have less people in the building this time around have a higher gate, and I think there's a really good chance that that could happen. Because, um, you know, they put fifty sixty thousand people in there with these ticket prices, they're going to challenge the gate that they did last year. So, um, listen, give them credit. This is going to be a big success again. This show's not till fucking August, and they right. have thirty thousand done now. anything yet. They've they've literally just announced the show. So I. I I agree. I was kind of a little surprised. I thought this was going to come out at like 10,000, 15,000, maybe like that. But the fact that they're already butting up against 30,000 just for the pre-sale. Yeah, this, yeah, this is going to be good again. Yeah. And, and that's before the, the, the tickets are officially on sale. And then you have nine more months to promote the show. Mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, the show's going to be... Look, I don't think doing 80 again is impossible. I'm not officially predicting that. Do you think it's impossible to do 80 again? I don't think I don't. it's impossible. I wouldn't bet on it, but it's it's certainly not impossible. Not not given where they're at now. And just to kind of give you an idea where they were uh, last year for the uh, inaugural All-In, which is a completely different animal because it's the first time you're in Wembley, all that sort of stuff. Day one pre-sale, they were at 36000 Day two pre-sale, they were at 43000 Day three pre-sale, they were at 50000 So... We're now passing. We'll, we'll pass day three Friday. We'll know exactly by the time most of you guys are listening to this. And they're going to be short of 50,000. Of course, they're not going to get to 50,000. But to be at 30,000 after three days for the second time around is still pretty damn good. If they close ticket sales and never sold another ticket, 30,000 tickets is a pretty damn good sale. You know what I mean? Like, that's good. That's a really, really good number for live event tickets. So, yeah, if they get anywhere between 50 to 60, anywhere in that range, like I said, I don't know if I would bet 80,000. I really don't. I I don't know if they're going to get there. I don't know if they're going to get to 80,000. But that's not that's not going to be a a bad thing if that if that's the case. Well, let's see where they are after Friday. Right. You know, they're going to – 40 is a lock at this point. I, you know, 50 might be a lock. If they're at 30 already, I, I would I say 50 is a lock. I, I think I'm pretty pretty confident putting 50 a, a, as a lock. Anything above that, I think maybe I'm I'm, I'm getting a little more – But no, Yeah, they, but you know what? We were, super cons- we were super conservative all along last time, and they yeah. kept topping it and topping it and topping right, it. Right, right, right. So, um, you know, I just think to, to, to quote Gorilla Monsoon, People think these shows are a happening, Rich, yeah. in this Wembley. So um, you can't underestimate it. And like like a lot of our European pals told us, too, you have to think outside the scope of just wrestling fans because going to a show in Wembley is kind of just like a thing you do if you're if like to take your kids or, you know, you might not even necessarily be super familiar with the event you're going to, but it's in Wembley. So you go to Wembley and that's how they view it there. So it's like, oh, a wrestling show in Wembley. That sounds like a lot of fun. Right, right. You might not even know any, you know, and, and and that that might be one facet of the ticket sales that all of the Americans underestimated because everyone, nearly everyone from that region who we are friends with, who I talked to about it, all brought up that point. You're like, no, you guys just don't understand. It's like a thing to go to to go to events at Wembley. You don't necessarily have to be locked in. You don't have to be a big boxing fan to want to go see boxing at Wembley. It's it's just it's at Wembley, so you're gonna to go to Wembley. You're you're gonna get your friends together and go get in trouble on a fucking Saturday night and and go to Wembley to watch some bot. You know, so I think we underestimate that a little to some extent. Um, last AEW bit, the Continental Classic. I talked about it a little behind the paywall. What do you think so far with Continental Classic? I like I liked this week's shows. Uh, so I, I was at the Diamond obviously last week, and I thought the the the, episode, the the shows or the matches that they had on on last week's show were fine. I think they were perfectly fine. I think the problem was they only announced the blocks like the day you know an hour or, or like what was it four or five hours before the show actually went live. So nobody really cared. Nobody really knew I was in the building there, and nobody really it was just matches happened, and then a score bug came on the screen. And everybody went, oh okay. Jay White's got three points now. Okay, great. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that it really carried any sort of weight to it. I think they've done a better job over the last couple weeks. And now I'm getting more into these matches. I'm getting more into the structure of the the tournament. I'm starting to get a little bit more into the idea. Because last week, you know, last week's Dynamite was just these are matches that are happening. And then somebody gets points. And it's like, all right, whatever. Who cares? 
thrown together concept that 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 really only has has only had really been announced for for a week or so uh, at this point. Now we're starting to get the promos. People are starting to talk about how much they care about this. We're starting to get matches that are getting pretty good. I like it. I think it's a good thing. I think I would have obviously promoted this a week. Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, a month prior, I would have had these blocks ready. I would have had the schedule ready. I would have let people get anticipated and, and, and ready to go and excited about these matches and everything. They didn't do that. They kind of threw it together last minute. And I think now we're starting to see that there's a little bit of a lag in terms of excitement about this. Where now I'm starting to get into this a little bit. I wasn't there initially the first week. I think the collision matches this uh, last week were better than the dynamite matches. And now this week's Dynamite matches were good as well. We haven't had a great match, like, and I think that was kind of your point as well. We haven't had like an, oh my God, this is the G1 Climax. Like, There was always that match that would happen either night one of G1 Climax, night two, night three, one of those ones where you're like, all right, this is it. This is a fucking match of the year contender that we just, got, we just saw. We haven't seen that yet. And Tony Khan has said this is one of the best wrestling tournaments of all time. He said that before any matches happened. To this point, this has not been one of the best wrestling tournaments of all time. We're nowhere close. Nowhere close to one of the best wrestling tournaments of all time. Yeah, that was that was kind of my. Oh, I, I, I thought we were done. Go ahead. No, no, there, and there's matches. There's matches I'm looking at, and I'm like, all right, yeah, that could be pretty good. But the, every match has been good. I think for the most part, nothing has been great. Nothing has been a match that I'm going to remember at the end of the year. Nothing's going to be a match that we're going to remember two years down the line, or three years down the line, or four years down the line. There's still time. There's still plenty of matches to go in this thing. But I think that they're they're going to need to. With the lofty standards that were set by themselves, by Tony Khan themselves, they're going to have to step things up a little bit if they want this thing to really truly be a once-in-a-lifetime, a, a once one of the greatest wrestling tournaments you've, all, you've ever seen. Right now, it's a good tournament. I'm enjoying it. I like it. But, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Not feeling it as one of the best tournaments of all time. And there has been nothing great, although there's been a lot of really, really good matches. So that's Continental Classic. Uh, Joe, you have anything else on uh, on that? I believe Joe was on. Yeah, I mean, oh, there you go. Um, can you hear me? I got you. I got you now. Yeah, there you go. You were, you were on mute, so now you're I'm on, here. On mute. So, okay. yep, you're good. You're good. Everyone's good. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I've, I, I'm not going to do the whole thing. You know, I have full thoughts behind the paywall. If people want to hear them on the Dynamite review, but I, it's a lot of what you just said. I've enjoyed it. I think that they've done a lot of good things presentation wise with the promos. The promos are great. And uh and and Danielson the promo- on this week's Dynamite was awesome. Him staring at the camera saying like, you know, you think you're down and out or Eddie Kingston talking about his injuries. Why, you know, I got a broken orbital bone, but I don't give a shit cuz I'm coming in here and I'm going to try to win this thing. They're starting to get there. Again, th- all this stuff would have been and and we've done this before and I don't want to do it again. This all would have been really really good to have for the last month is guys cutting promos. Moxie talking about how important this is. Eddie talking about how important this is. Brian talking about how important this is. Dan Garcia talking about how important this is. John, you know, and Jay White talking about this. Rouge, I, they had the. Why is this thing thrown together in, in two weeks? Why do we only know the blocks a couple of, of hours before the show starts? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they could have really because I think they did a disservice to this tournament because I think it's a good tournament. I think the number the, the guys that are in it are good. I think the, the the guys everybody has the right heart. Everybody has the right heart in this thing. But it's like we're doing it now as the tournament's going on. We're starting to build anticipation as opposed to doing it two weeks, three weeks, four weeks prior building anticipation for this tournament starting. But that's just AEW. That's just what they do. That's just wrestling now, Joe. I guess is that we don't announce shit until hours before the show starts, and now we're catching up with the promos and the intrigue and the excitement of this tournament, as opposed to going in, getting excited about it, where, where we had almost nothing when the fir- when it first started, and now we're starting to get there a little bit. We're starting to, eh, a little bit, creeping up there a little bit. 
I just think it's missing something. It just doesn't feel special. And I think what it's missing is we have not had great, we have not had a great match and there have not been great matches. And this thing is going to need great matches at some point to get over the hump and be something that is consuming the interest of wrestling fans, the way the G one does when that's going on. And it just totally consumes the interest of, of new Japan fans. There have not been, there've been good matches, all the map for the most part, there's been one or two, nothing matches, but for the most part, all of the matches have been good. Very good. Even in some cases, there have been no great matches. There is no water cooler match. There is no, um, I don't know who you're talking to at the water cooler at work about AEW wrestling, but there, you get the idea here. Oh, There's mine, been mine, no, you know, mine. Uh, well, that's why I talk about Yeet and Jey Uso at the at the water cooler. But yeah, nobody talks about AEW at the water cooler. So unfortunately, yeah. The, the, the point is, there's been no great match that has consumed the wrestling conversation for a day and a half. Where oh my god, did you see that Continental Classic match? That's going to be on my match of the year list. People debating whether it's five stars, and I'm sorry, but that's the bar that they set. I know Tony Khan's a promoter and he promotes, but he said this was going to be one of the greatest tournaments of all time. Rich, he may have even said that we need to put our money where our fucking mouths are if we want to see I great wrestling. I think he may have. You know, and, and now, again, the theme of my review this week, show, don't tell. Show us now. I'm showing up every Wednesday and Saturday like you asked me to, and you're giving me some fine three-and-a-half-star matches. Where's the great matches, Rich? Where are they? That's what this thing is missing. And there might be five coming. There's 33 matches in this thing, and we've seen like eight of them, right? But where are, you know, it's time now. We're in the week two now. Night, we're, we're in night four of the G1, if you want to look at it that way. Going in Saturday is night four of the Continental Classic, right? If you want to look at it that way. We haven't had a great match yet. If this was a G1, people would be all over it. And you're, you're basically modeling this after the champion carnival and the G one. We need great matches. We need memorable matches. We need moments that we will never forget. And we have not gotten any of that yet. And that's what this thing is missing. And I have enjoyed it, but I can't sit here and tell you that. Are you frothing at the mouth for Saturday? I'm oh, not. No, no. no. It, and, and for it to get to that level, it's going to need some great matches and some great moments. And it needs to create, and listen, this is the first one. How did they not come out of the gate? The first match in this thing should have been whoever you picked to go out there. My directive would have been, I want you to go out there and try to have the match of your life, create some buzz, give me a match of the year. You I, tell me how much you tell me how much time you need. And I would have sent them out there. Because you need. To That's come why out I bought a ticket gate. to that show last week. I, I I fully intended to skip the Thanksgiving show on Dynamite. And I usually go to that show no matter what, but I fully intended to skip it when they announced the Continental Classic. I had that idea that okay, if this is the opener of the Continental Classic, in my mind, if you are telling me this is going to be one of the greatest wrestling tournaments of all time, that first match out of the gates, that that show that Dynamite opens up with a match that starts the tournament and it's going to be a fucking one of the best things you've ever they're you're going to tell those guys guys we're starting this new tournament go out there empty the empty the tank give me everything you have in that match let's do it i got swerve and jay lethal which was a perfectly okay match a perfectly decent professional wrestling match between two professional wrestlers i did not get that and i have not gotten that just yet i have not gotten that they match that you're this talking thing about up. 
they open this thing up with a three and a quarter star match with a guy who's not going to score any points. Lethal's there to eat pins. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not putting Jay Lethal down. Someone, we know how these tournaments work. Someone's there to lose. But that's what they came out with. A three and a quarter star match with the guy that's not going to win. You should have picked your two best workers to have the first match of this tournament. And you should have told them to go out there and have the best match humanly possible that they could deliver to get everyone's attention and say, holy shit, this thing is going to be great. And they didn't do that. And you only have one chance to make a first impression. And now we're headed into night four of the C2 and we still haven't had a great match. That's the one thing it's missing. So for me, I, I, it's a nice little tournament so far. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy like it. I'm glad they're doing it. I like it. the promos. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't, it's not consuming my attention because it hasn't been good enough to do that. So um, anyway, we keep an eye on it. Do you want to skip the Wrestling Observer stuff? I I, I mean, That's we really, fine. yeah. I think if we do it, it has to be a drive-by with the amount of time we have. And I think it deserves more than that. So I think we should either put it on a show where we have more time or we should paywall it or something. Right, I, right, I, right. I would like, I, I would like to give it more time too. Yeah. Let, let's not do it during this show. Uh, if you, if you, if you must, I did write something at, uh, at flagshippatreon.com uh, last week about the seven new entrants and a little bit of uh, analysis about the ballot. If you want to get a written piece about that, but I think at some time, yeah, you and I have to either sit down and do a Patreon show or, or give it like an hour or so on, on the flagship. This is not the week too much else is going on. And Hey, these seven people that got in, or the seven, you know, entrants that got in the couple tag teams, uh, they have gotten in. They'll they'll get in in a couple weeks too, so it's okay. You know what I mean? Like we we can uh, we can give it the time that it deserves. I don't want to. I, I yeah, we we can't shove it in here to the next twenty minutes of the show. All right, so uh, World Tag League. I have not seen one second of this tour yet, so I can contribute nothing. Okay. Um, do you want to give what what have you seen? You want to give us a little rundown? What's yeah, going on with the World so Tag League? I've watched a decent amount of it. And here's the here's the thing about the World Tag League for me this year. And I've seen some people say that it's a really, really good tournament and they've really enjoyed it and stuff. And and I can't say I, I have I haven't disliked this tournament for the record. I think there's been a lot of really good stuff. I've liked a lot of the teams. I think there's some pretty interesting matches there. It's got a lot of the same problems that New Japan has for me right now where I just don't feel. You know what I mean? I, I watch these New Japan shows and they're done and I click out of the window or, or I turn off my TV and I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. That was fine. You, you know, I, I, I'm just kind of that way with New Japan right now. I don't know why. I just don't really have any sort of passion for it. It's just not really doing much for me. I think there's a lot of fun stuff going on in this World Tag League, but I think unless you're a real, real, real hardcore New Japan fan, I don't know that I could fully recommend really anything that I've seen thus far. I think if you're a hardcore New Japan fan, there's a lot to like. I think the Kiyomiya Oiwa team has been a lot of fun. Umino and Narita has been a lot of fun. Uh, Archer and Zayn, I think, have had a pretty fun tournament as well. Atlantis and Soberano, uh, Soberano has, has been really fun. I've enjoyed them. Shane Haston, Mad Mikey Nichols. They're, they're on top of the A block, Joe. TMDK on top of the A block. But if you're just kind of jumping in and say you haven't watched New Japan in a while or you just jump in for every... It's not. I don't think it's one of those tournaments. I don't think it's a tournament that you can come in completely cold and watch. You know, night five and go. All right, here we go and slap your hands together and there it is. It's World Tag League. I, I don't think you're going to find much there because a lot of the matches have been kind of paint by numbers. A lot of the stuff. I mean, there's some good stuff on every show. There's like one or two matches on every show that that are pretty damn good, but it just doesn't have any juice. And that's the World Tag League more times than not. So I'm not super surprised by that. 
And we've always kind of said that the World Tag League is probably not a tournament that we always we would have people rec- like say, oh, can I review the World Tag League for Voices of Wrestling? And I would say, no, <laughs> you're going to burn yourself out and, and you're not going to like it. Eventually, by the end of it, you're going to get bored and annoyed and angry and you're going to want to stop reviewing it. Time and time again, people would do it. We've had relationships die from the world tag league we've had people never contribute ever again after the world tag league and every time someone says hey can i review the world tag League?" i go no because you're never going to watch wrestling ever again you're going to break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend you're going to stop it's just it's a grind it's not a tournament that's meant to be watched in totality only the true hardcore should watch the thing in totality so sitting down and saying all right i'm going to watch every single night of this world tag league is going to drive you nuts because it's not meant for that it's meant for whatever town they're in on this day to come in with the show and do their matches and get out of there but yeah you watch every single night it's going to drive you it's going to tear you down and i think i've tried to watch most of it and i think that's kind of the the vibe that i've gotten when it's over it's like there's stuff I like. There's teams I like. There's things I like about it. But ultimately, it just it, it, it feels dry. It feels very dry. And that's kind of been a lot of New Japan stuff for me uh, in 2023. I will say, though, they did a, a draw. Uh, Goto and Yoshihashi versus Atlantis and Soberano. So that, that was uh, you know 30-minute draw, which I enjoyed. So there's been little matches and there's been little teams that I've enjoyed. But well, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you how Atlantis... Junior and Soberano Junior have looked. They've been so good. You, they've been how? really good. I've enjoyed them a lot, and, and and those are guys that I really like. And they've added a. They had a lot of juice to the to the especially the B block because the problem with the B block too, and this is why you can't watch everything, is there'll be a bad luck folly in Jack Bonza match. And Joe, close your eyes. Bad luck folly in Jack Bonza. What do you think those matches look like? Right. Exactly. You, you know exactly. So then when Atlantis and Soberano come out, it's like, holy shit, here we go. And now they're bouncing all over the ring. They're doing a bunch of stuff. The B block is, is tricky because Archer and Zayn are fun, but they're Archer's more the power guy. Zayn's doing a little bit of high flying, but you know, not necessarily. Taichi and Yuya Umura. Yuya, eh, eh, not loving what I see so far. Out of really? My Yuya. Not loving it. Not, I, I, not a lot of juice, not a lot of, you know, pizzazz from this guy, which I was kind of thinking we were going to get pizzazz. We're not getting pizzazz in this guy just yet. Hikaleo and El Fantasma with Hikaleo, it's trash. You know that. Uh, Minoru and Yuji Nagata are just losing all their matches, and, and they're just playing the hits at this point. Yuji does the eye roll. Minoru does Minoru thing. You've seen one. You've seen a thousand of them. So that B block is a little rough. But then the Lannis and Sobrano come out, and they start high flying and doing a bunch of stuff. You're like, all right, here we go. Now I'm starting to feel a little bit of juice. So the B block is rough. The A block, I like a lot of the A block. I, I think most of the A block has been pretty good. Shane Haston, Mikey Nichols have been very good. Uh, Umino and, and, and Narita has been good. Kiyomi and Oiwa, I've liked all their stuff. Colgan and Kid, that, that shtick has been fine. You know what I mean? It's, it's a little over the top, but it's fine. Okan and Hanare is, is good. They're out there just kind of being powerhouses. Ishii and Yano, it's Yano. So it kind of gets, it, it's Ishii doing Ishii stuff, but Yano stuff drags it down. So I don't really care. You know what I mean? I can't try, I can't even pretend to care about anything that Yano does these days. Evil and Yujiro, Jesus Christ, it's evil and Yujiro. What do you think? And then the Gates of Agony, Bishop Khan and, and, and Toa Leona, they joined the House of Torture for now. They might turn on him later, but that has kind of bogged down a little bit of their stuff too. They're, they, I think I expect a little bit more fun out of those guys, but now they're kind of getting involved in that shit. So I'm like, ah, you know what? Not for me. A block mostly okay. B block mostly bad. Atlantis and Soberano have been good. Yotosuji and 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 Z, you know, as we all knew it was gonna be. That's been fine too. But like, I don't know. It, it's it's I feel like I'm burying this thing, and I don't mean to bury it. I just mean that if you're just dropping in, you're listening to this show and you're like, ah, you know what? Should I watch the World Tag League? I would say if a match looks interesting to you on paper, watch that but I would not recommend sitting down every day and watching the World Tag League. I I, I think you're just going to get bored out of your mind if you do that.
All right. Glowing review of the uh, <laughs> the World Tag League. So um, I haven't seen any of it. I'll crash watch it one weekend and and get it all in. But the All Japan Real World Tag League is going on as well. And uh, we're going to flip it around because Rich has not seen any of this. And I have seen a few nights. I am about three nights in. Um, I don't think there's been a great match, but there's been a lot of really good ones so far on the on the first few nights that I've seen. The opening night, they did uh, Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi against Galino Del Mal, who was the luchador who really blew up WrestleMania weekend for being... Um, you know, the guy you remember tank, the, the absolute fucking tank, the, the yes, gigantic exactly. man, yeah. yeah. And Hayato Tamura, who we were really high on when he was zero one champion, remember? Hayato Hell yeah, Tamura, and he kind of, and now he's with Gleet. And I don't know what happened, but he seems like I don't know. I feel like nah, he's not. He's not what he used to be. I don't know what happened. His but, charisma uh, is gone. I don't yeah. know. It's it's weird. I thought he really had a future. And we were like, he's just got to get out of zero one because there's no future there for anyone. Speak for yourself <laughs> and stay in zero one. Be great. No. You know, Gleet in, in on papers a step up. Obviously, um, they've got more money behind them. They're more high profile, but uh, he's almost like not even the same guy anymore. Like no. he just doesn't jump off the screen the way he used to. And maybe that's big fish small pond syndrome and zero one. I don't think it is though. I just think I don't know. There's just he doesn't have that. I don't, just don't feel the same way about him as I did when he was with zero one. But, um, you know, that was the main event of, of the first night. And, you know, they drew 1300 fans to Cork and all Japan is doing really good numbers. Sneaky draw, sneaky draw right now. And, People are not giving him credit. Yeah. And, uh, that was, a, that was a really good match. And, um, you know, I haven't gotten deep enough in the tournament. I'm still at the point where Nakajima is still doing the thing where he doesn't want to team with Hokuto Omori. And he's like kicking him and throwing him out of the ring. And um, I think though, someone in the chat um, who was, I think that they stopped that at some point in the tour though. Like he has accepted Omori as a partner. I haven't gotten far enough in the tour to deter, to, to, to where, um, they started doing that though. So he's still doing kind of this. I don't want to team with this guy thing. Um, night two, again, they're, they're headlining with Miyahara and Aoyagi a lot. Um, on night two, it was the DDT guys, uh, Hideki Okatani and, um, uh, Yukio Sakagachi, who looks like a meth dealer. Um, that was the main <laughs> event on night two. You know who he is, that DDT oh, yeah. guy who looks like, he looks like he hangs out with Chris Ridgeway. Yes, he, yes, you know he does, he's yeah. been there forever. Yeah, so um, <laughs> no, that, again, that he looks was, like a character that, in the <laughs> video game. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just you know, I'm Yakuza, sure he's a nice he guy. looks like he's a guy probably, from a Yakuza video game, like a, a villain or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. It's like a low level Yakuza. Guy. Yeah, yeah, he's right, like a, right. Like very early in the game, and you beat him up, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, you could beat him up, but what about me?" <laughs> that type of stuff. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, he's. He peddles heroin on the street for the Yakuza. Yes. And, you yes. know, they'll off him at any moment if he if he gets out of line. But, uh, you know, but but there was a, it, he's the semi, I thought. Oh, my God. He looks like he's 37. That man's 26 years old. No. Yukio Sakaguchi, he's a veteran. He's not 26. Oh, sorry. I mixed up what we were talking about. Never mind. He's 50. He's Sakaguchi 50. has to be in his 40s. No, he, I mean, he's, he's 50. He's 50. He's 50. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about, I don't I, know. for a second, I thought you were talking about the guy who was teaming with uh, FKA Yujiro. 
It's like Sikio. No, uh, that's that's Tachibana. Yeah, why is he? He's only twenty six. That guy does not look twenty six years old. No, I'm talking about the Hideki yeah, Okatani yeah, 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 Yukio yeah, yeah. Sakaguchi. Yeah, right, right. Sorry, the, sorry. The, that's a veteran DDT team. No, I, I, st- I actually like thing- him. I actually like him a little bit. He does pedal hair. No, sure, no, I'm just like talking him. about his look. Like he's fine as a worker. I just talking about the way he looks. Um, I was just describing him for the audience, Rich, giving the show a little color. But um, I, I will say that in, show- in the background of the match that I was watching, I don't know what what the hell's the date on this. I have it on the TV here. This is the 26th. Uh, so just a couple of days ago, um, he tapped out uh, the big house, Galeno Del Mar, and, and, and it looked really good. Yeah, that, that, that looked like a fun match. I didn't watch it like intently, obviously, because it was in the background, but it looked like a pretty fun match uh, uh, tomorrow and, and, and Del Mar against uh, Sakaguchi and Okatani. So anyway, carry on. Yeah, um, the, uh, I, I thought a more interesting match on that second night was Hokuto Omori and Nakajima again, and, and they, they had a really cool match with Ryuki Honda and Yuma Anzai. Um, again, somewhere in the three-and-a-half range or something like that. It wasn't a great match. And remember, the Junior Battle of Glory is going on at the same time because that's, that, that tournament is never strong enough to support its own tour, so they usually just fold it in. Um they had a big man battle on this show with, with the Saitos versus Cyrus and Ryan Davidson. Um, if you're, you know, a big men club and meat pervert, you know, that was the semi-main event. Um, it was exactly what you would expect. I, I really love the uh, Cyrus promos. I love that guy's backstage comments. You know, they do that deal. Um, he's got, he's just this, He's this big fat guy who kind of looks like if Bam Bam Bigelow just let himself go and <laughs> just and, embraced and it shrunk, yeah. and shrunk six inches, <laughs> and he has like a southern accent. Yeah, and it's, it's just great. so fun. He's just he, I I I love the dynamic of Cyrus. He feels very much like a guy that uh, Keiji Muto would have brought in in like 2004 All Japan during the pro wrestling love era where you're like, why is he booking this guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he would team with like Chuck Palumbo or whatever. And you're like, all right, whatever, man. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just all about um, Cyrus in new Japan. So let me see where I left off. That's the show. I actually, I only saw two shows. I left. I, I'm 1119 is the one I left off on. And from what I'm told, Miyahara and Aoyagi against Ryuki Honda and Yuma Anzai, is arguably the best match of the tournament so far. And that's the main event of night three. And I haven't seen it yet. And I think it ends in a draw. So um, I'm looking forward to that. I'll probably pound through the rest of these sometime tonight. Um, you know, for whatever reason, I chose to watch this tour instead of World Tag. I can't you're, bring honestly, myself. You're probably better off. off. Honestly, you're probably better off. Yeah. I, I can't bring myself to do it. So. I've again, I, I've only gotten through a couple nights. We we did a poor job with this. We weren't really prepared. But um, the Aoyagi and Mihara, the two matches I saw, you know, I, I'm going to have to think about voting them tag team of the year because I think that they've been, they had a really good title run. And if they continue to deliver in the tournament and they're going to be in a position to do so because they're in all the main events um, and they're in second place right now. So they're in the mix and everything too. They, you know, at the end of the day, the, the tag team of the year is not, it's thin this year. There's not a lot of places to turn. If you're looking for tag team of the year, you know, the bucks are the bucks FTR probably has less great matches than you think. Mm-hmm. I think I the bucks have a lot less great matches ago. this year than, than, than you might think too. And WWE, where are you going to turn? Uso split up 
Owens and, and Zayn split up, um, you know, and you look at Japan, there's no new Japan team other than Catch 2-2. I think Catch 2-2, if you're going by match quality, they'd be a favorite as well. But, you know, if you're looking, if, if, you, if you're looking for a combo, I mean, Nakajima, uh, not Nakajima, Miyahara and Aoyagi worked main events. Yeah. Of, of some pretty successful, you know, not huge shows, you know, Corkin shows and whatnot. And they have the match quality to go with it. I mean, I, I'm, I think they're as good a pick as anybody if they finish off this tour strong. And why wouldn't they? They're going to have good matches every time they go out there. And they're going to have a couple great matches by the time this thing is over. Yeah, I think Jordan Smith brings up a good point in the chat. He says the FTR's year was extremely front-loaded. They had a lot of good stuff at the beginning of the year, but, man, what have they really done, you know, since August? Feels like nothing. Yeah, I added it up, and they only had five or six what I would call notebook matches, and a couple of them were like six-man tags with Punk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's like just straight tags. They, they probably had my favorite tag team match of the entire year, the, the, the match with the Bullet Club Gold or whatever, but, yeah, I don't know if there's enough uh, – uh, um, I don't know if they have enough to, to to really make a case. Yeah, so you know, I I think Aoyagi and Miyahara when 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 I finally parse everything out and look at what I've got in my notes, I mean, I think they're going to be and catch two too. I mean, you know, they had a good Super Junior Tag League as well, and they had all those good matches at the beginning of the year. And you know, the, from a match quality standpoint, they're in the mix. Astronauts, I've got a couple astronaut matches, but the problem is the the footage is tricky because nobody. I, I'm not subscribing to core. I'm not doing that. I can't go that dirty. So <laughs> right, there's pro it, they probably are having a lot of really good tag matches, but I've seen like four of their matches this year, and I've loved like three out of the four that I've watched or whatever. But you know what I mean? Like it's not. I'm not. I, I don't know. It, it, it's I can't discount FTR because I've only had like five or six matches that I've loved, and then also vote for the astronauts when I've only watched you know. A, a I'm gonna get someone. I'm gonna get someone to send me the the big the astronaut the big japan shows that have the astronaut matches on it that i need to see because i'm i want to make sure i give them a fair shake at it because i really think tag team of the year is wide open and the mat like you said the matches i've seen from them have been really great and and i'm someone i think that their singles match should count towards their case. it should oh I, 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 that match matters because they are a tag team so it should matter because they're a tag team and they were yeah absolutely it's i i feel the same way about the hall of fame if a Hall of Fame, if a tag team breaks up and has a feud, that should count towards their tag team Hall of Fame case. Because you're drawing money and you're telling a story based on the tag team. So I think it should work the same way for the award. And they had that great singles match in October, I guess it was. September, October, I can't remember. So um, anyway, that was that's kind of my thoughts watching the, the real world tag league. Um, the thing about that tour is it's moving pretty slow. So it doesn't take very long to catch up. They're only on like night six or something. So yeah, apparently I'm watching Cage the most recent show. I didn't even realize that as I'm watching this. This is uh from the twenty. What's the date of the show you watch? Uh, I'm watching eleven yeah, twenty six, and that's the night yeah. six. That's night six in the tournament. So yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's not going to be hard. And 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 I'm at the point now where, you know, how I handle some of these tournaments. Night one, I watch the whole thing, get a feel for it. And then after that, I'm cherry picking what I want to watch. You know, you can't sit. I'm not going to sit here and watch these shows start to finish. I, I just don't have the time, you know. So, you, you know, to just get through the four remaining shows, I'm, you know, and just watch the stuff that that looks good. It shouldn't take very long. Um, you know, like like for example, Jiro's out. I don't need to watch any more. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, you know what I mean. There's like no point. There's no, no. point whatsoever. Now. Ryuki Honda and Yuma Anzai, when they're facing an interesting team, absolutely. Uh, Nakajima and Omori, every match. 
Aoyagi and Miyahara every match. Uh, Suwama and Hideki Suzuki, eh, depends who they're wrestling. You know, Saito, same thing. You know, really for the rest of the teams, it's it's a case-by-case basis at that point. And, you know, that helps you get through these things if you feel overwhelmed. Um, last topic. MLW Fightland, Rich. Yeah, let's do it. You didn't think I was going to let this slip through no, the cracks. No, I'm glad you didn't. I watched it. You ended up watching it? I ended up, oh, you, you put it on the sheet, and I thought you wanted to preview MLW Fightland. And I was on our Discord being like, yeah, we're going to preview it. And everyone's like, no, it already happened. And I was like, ah, fuck. All right, fine. So then I went, and I was like, ah, you know what? I got a little bit of time. I'll watch this show. Then I pulled it up, and I saw that Alex Kane and Jacob Fatu had a 48-minute main event for the MLW World Heavyweight title. And I was like, fuck me. I can't believe I got to watch this shit. But I said, you know what? Fine. It's MLW Fightland. If we don't cover MLW, nobody will. Fine. I'll watch this match. I'll watch this show. And, Joe, I got to tell you. I fucking loved that Alex Kane Jacob Fatu match. What? I loved that match. Well, this is going to be interesting then. All right. So, first of all, I thought I was going solo on this review. Got so, it. No. I'm, glad I'm, I'm, I'm caught up on the world of MLW. Do not worry. Well, all right. Well, listen, I thought that match was egregiously long. Here's what I thought about the match, and I'm going to give you the floor since you loved it. I thought it was egregiously long, even though I knew what they were going for. Right, like I understood what they were right. going for with the super long match, and I'm sure you'll explain when you when you talk about it. But the problem was for me, it didn't land, and I was bored out of my mind until the last five minutes. And then I guess we'll talk about all the patently ridiculous post match stuff afterwards. But I don't know, man. This is a 48 minute and three second Alex <laughs> Kane Jacob Fatu yeah. match that Rich apparently loved. So go ahead. I don't know why, and I, I I'm gonna try to explain it. But I did not expect it. Maybe it was that I came in with zero expectation. I came with none. I, I saw that match and I said, who in this world asked for, needed, or wanted an Alex Kane Jacob Fatu match that went 48 minutes? But then I watched it. I I liked it. I don't know why. Like, so I, I think they came in with a lot of, you know, Alex Kane has one of the best entrances in the wrestling. Half the ring fills yes. up with people chanting Boomaye, Boomaye, and then the fans feel like they must it's have superstar, it's a it's a superstar yeah. entrance. It's great. It's so great. So you're already hyped up already because you got 20 people around ringside jumping up and down and yelling Boomaye. And then the fans go, ah, I guess we should join in too. And then the whole arena is going Boomaye, Boomaye, Boomaye. So it's awesome. You know and what then, it reminds me of in a weird way? It reminds me of the skulk, but with ass kickers. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Like the skulk was like party guys out there to have a good time and a, Hey, you know, this is, has a similar vibe, except it's guys that are going to fucking murder you. If you get in their way or cross. Yes. With, with Kane is like the ringleader. So it worked. Yeah. It was, it was solid there. So then, you know, Jacob Fatu, who I, I'm a big fan of as well. I, I like his work when he shows up, <laughs> when, he, when he makes his dates, he shows uh, up to MLW. He, the, 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 the court whisperer. The problematic wrestler whisperer gets it done. <laughs> this guy has had so many around. grandmas die and family emergencies or whatever across the world. But uh, ML Dub doesn't miss a date. Ready to go. Ready to do the J-O-B, too. Ready to look at the lights, too. I was surprised by that, too. But uh, anyway, so Alex Kane, great entrance. Jacob Fatu has a good presence. And then the beginning of the match was slow. <laughs> a lot of this match was. I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't a slow match. This was very slow, very deliberate. But... Alex Kane, the idea here was, and, and they had Mr. Thomas on commentary here, and his idea was that Alex Kane is just going to wear out Jacob Fatu. Alex Kane has cardio. 
Jacob Fatu doesn't. So he's going to make this match last as long as it's going to take because he knows that he's going to be able to outlast Jacob Fatu. And Mr. Thomas keeps you know pointing it out. He goes, Alex Kane isn't dropping a, uh, not a beat of sweat on this guy, not a beat of sweat on him. He's ready to go. And, and he was right. They would zoom in on the camera, and Alex Kane wasn't sweating at all, and Jacob Fatu was breathing heavily. And, and that's sort of what the, the, the style of the beginning of the match was. It was very slow, very deliberate. Alex Kane kind of slowly working him over. And then, yeah, they just kind of, I mean, I, I understand that it seems wild to tell you that a 40-minute match between Alex Kane and Jacob Fatu, but I thought that they timed out, like because they would do a big spot, and then they would kind of chill for a little bit, then they would do a move or two, and then they would chill for a little bit, then they'd do a big spot, and it seems like that should be boring, and I agree. Normally, I would think that was boring. I don't know why. In this particular case, with these two guys, with these two bowls, it just kind of worked for me because it made sense that these two guys would throw everything at each other, that these two guys would would work each other over for a little bit and then need a second to kind of rest and need a second to break or whatever. And then they did they did actually pretty creative table spots too. It just seems nuts in 2023 to have table spots. But you had a big table spot where Jacob Fatu put Alex Kane on a table, jumped from the top rope, which looks really cool when it's Jacob Fatu landing on Alex Kane over a table. That table fucking explodes. I thought the crowd was into the match the entire time. I thought the commentary was actually pretty good, which I did not believe I would say with a Joe Dombrowski and, 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 and Matt Stryker uh, commentary team, but but that was really good. I like Dombrowski's good. Stryker, obviously, not very good, but uh, I don't know. It's just like it hit me on the right level with these two big beat, like meatball dudes just throwing bombs at one another every so often. And it wasn't overdone. There wasn't a ton of kickouts. It was just like these guys were just working each other, working each other, working each other. I thought this match was going to feel egregiously long, and it just for some reason just never quite did. So I don't know. I'm surprised, too. When it was done, I just said, did I like that match like a lot? Did I did I love that match? And I did. I, I don't know why. I can't exactly say <laughs> what got into me on this particular day or this particular moment, but I think I just like these two guys. I think the guys did enough stuff in this match to make it feel like these guys were just beating on each other and, and, and working each other over and, 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 and had a good style of this match, and, and it was a good big man beef beefy dude type of match or whatever with just enough high spots and just enough table spots and just enough weapon spots uh, to fill in the gaps. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll admit I was very surprised as well when I liked this match, but but I really did. And I, I feel like I'm on an island and I don't feel like anybody trusts me or believes me that I like this match, but well, I, I do. I did. The, the story, like I said, I understood the story they were telling. I just didn't think it landed because they, it, I just thought it was boring. And the worst thing a match can be is boring. So, um, you know, it, it didn't it didn't work for me. I didn't think it was a terrible match. I just didn't. I did. It was just when you have 48 minutes. And oh, yeah. It's there's no doubt. Struggling. My mind, if they cut 15 minutes off this match, it would be even better. Can you tell the same story, though? At at 30 minutes, and probably not. And that's the thing. I think it was all about the story of perseverance and fighting and the idea that Jacob Fatu trying to survive this and right, right. Not Jacob Fatu, who's now seeing himself losing this position that he had for so long as the top guy in MLW and Alex yeah, Kane yeah, trying to, yeah. to con- say, I am now the top guy in this company and Fatu fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. And then Alex Kane, not pinning this guy, but submitting him and them in commentary saying Jacob Fatu has, has, has barely been pinned and never submitted in this company. And now this guy is working him over and submitted him now. And these guys had to just lay it all out there and put it all on there. And now you definitively know that Alex Kane is the man in MLW. Yeah. You know, and I say this every time we review MLW, they do a fantastic job at the top of their card presenting their top guy, whether it's Alex Kane now, whether it was Jacob Fatu at a, at a different time, whether it was Hammerstone, when they pick, whether it was Swerve Strickland. 
when they pick a guy and present him as a top guy, they do a superb job of that. They are great at convincing, at, 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 at making their top guy truly look like the top guy. And there's another example. Now, the post-match stuff, it looks like we have all been worked, Rich Preach. <laughs> oh, man. As Hammerstone uh, asked out of his MLW contract. Oh, they got us. Oh, Joe, they, they did, and me. you know what? I like when they get us. Work me. I'm begging these promoters to successfully work us because that's when wrestling is fun. The problem is I don't like the direction this went. So what Hammerstone did was he joined Mr. St. Laurent, Mr. St. Laurent's WTF group, um, World Titan Federation. World Titan Federation, yes, yeah. Which but I'm sure is it, also Joe? get it, Joe. It's WTF? Uh, what the fuck? Do you get it? Ah, you know it's it's uh, <laughs> I know double it's meaning. Little, maybe went over your head a little, but it's 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 double meaning there. World Titan Federation. The old double meaning. Yeah. So what they're doing is Mister Saint Laurent, who I believe is the Booker of uh, MLW. I, I believe think. that is true. Yes. Um, they're doing a gimmick where they are an invading promotion. Very unique concept in pro wrestling. So <laughs> never been done before. Uh, the members of this group include Matt Cardona and now Hammerstone and um, um, uh, who else is in? The, there was the, some guy uh, that Rikishi. came out and they went, that guy's huge. And then they never said who the guy was. And I don't even know who it was. But I, I recognize yeah, the guy, I, but who was that? I thought it was Hammerstone with a haircut at first. <laughs> and then but who was that guy? <laughs> and I'm like, that's not uh, that's not Hammerstone because then the actual Hammerstone came out. So I don't know. We need the swink in here. He probably knows who he is. Um, is he in the chat tonight? I don't even. Know. I don't know if he is. But, yeah, I don't um, know if he is. But yeah, so that's the storyline they're doing, and the whole Hammerstone wants out of his MLW contract was because he's now a WTF wrestler. Yeah. So they got us. Now I do think Lance Anoai and Juicy Finale really are done. No, I think those those guys are to, done. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, that was legit. So they're not booked on any of the shows or anything, and they they did some. I know they've that Lance Anoai did did media you know, talking about what he wants to do next and everything. So um, unless they're really going far with the work with those two, I think that they really are done. But um, but the Hammerstone thing was a work, and he's part of the WTF thing now. And now they're branding their shows as MLW slash WTF shows the way that WCW used to do with the NWO when the NWO got hot. So yeah. that, I'm was, not fond of it. Joshua Bishop but, was the guy. Why didn't they just say Joshua Bishop? I think people know who Josh Bishop is. That tall guy? Yeah, the that's, fucking... that's who it was. Because I knew, I was like, I know all that right. fucking guy. But they were like, who's that guy? He's huge. And then they never said who it was. And I was like, all right, whatever. Josh Bishop. That makes it sense. also all happened very fast. It was very they, quickly. They, yeah, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I guess it was Joshua Bishop, now that I think about it. Um, so anyway, that that's the 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 main event angle in the company now. But um, there were there were only four matches on the show because the main event the show is only two hours, which was great. By the way, I love yeah. seeing a two hour show. Um, and the main event started at the top of hour one, and I looked and I was like, "Holy shit, this fucking this is it!" So um, they opened up with the ladder match: Manders and Matthew Justice against uh, Ricky Shane Page and Akira for the tag titles, and. I thought this was okay. I mean, this was, you know, this was a pretty good ladder match in that, you know, they did the ladder spots and stuff, but they also, um, there was some logic to the match as well. And, you know, it wasn't the greatest ladder match you'll ever see, but 
and obviously, you know, they've been they've been building up to the turn. Yeah, where like Ricky's you're returning page, on, on turn on page. Yeah, right. Either way you want to put it, but yeah. So that they're no more after they lose the titles here. And um, there were some creative spots. Like I think was it Matthew Justice who was hanging from the? Yes, uh, yeah, he was hanging from the from the belts. And then he did a double splash to Akira and Ricky Shane Page, who were below him, and um, you know, so so the second gear crew wins the tag titles. I thought it was fine. I mean, it was certainly inoffensive um, compared to the next match, which was the loser leaves MLW match that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Cardona beats Mance Warner. I'm so over Cardona. Oh Every match he has. And then, and then the Steph DeLandry. I don't care. Because wherever people, Cardona goes, he has the same match. It's yeah. the same bullshit fucking garbage match. And, and this match, by the way, if you, if you don't know the story, it was that Steph DeLander was like in love with Mance Warner and Warner was in love with her. And, and I mean, you could have seen this coming from fucking 4,000 miles away. You could see it from, <laughs> from space as she comes out and goes, that's my boyfriend. And Cardona goes, oh, no. And then she turns around and puts Mance Warner through a table or whatever. And then, ha, 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 it was our plan all along. Okay, all right, great, cool. Money before love in the promo and all this other bullshit. um, I'm the hardcore king, yada, yada, yada. It's the same shtick (laughs) everywhere he goes. I, is there evidence that he draws on these shows? I uh, mean, ask Ad Billy thoughts. Remember, Ad Billy said he was the biggest draw he's had. He he sells the most tickets, the most pay per views. So, and he said that with a bevy of empty seats behind both of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, but I mean, I don't know. I'm just so over this guy's shtick. I mean, good for him. I guess he's making a ton of money. Um, I don't, I don't know, but I'm over it. But someone nailed it a couple weeks ago when we talked about this. And I forget who it was. It was someone in the chat, maybe. Mance Warner is going to come back as as good brother number three again. Right? Oh, for like sure. What, yeah, deal, yeah. He's not what he was anywhere. doing in AAW. Yeah. Yeah. So was it good brother number two or good brother number three? Uh, he was a good brother number. I forget which one it was. But yeah, he, yeah. he I, I would assume that he comes back in some form or fashion. With the mask and the exact same gear that he wears as Mance Warner. Yes. Which absolutely. is hilarious. It's yeah. like the it's like the, you know, the Midnight Rider deal. And none of the so, fans bought in that this was actually Mance Warner's last match. And, and even commentary was just like, ah, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, Dombrowski yeah. was trying to sell it. I was like, this is a moment. Oh, my God. We're never going to see Mance Warner ever again. And, and Stryker's like, ah, whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't seem to sell it. So, yeah, I would assume that he's coming back. I, I don't think he's imminently uh, due to uh, arrive at the Performance Center or uh, AEW anytime soon. So, so Mascara Dorada and Ichiban defeat. Uh, uh, Cavanario and Rocky Romero. I thought this was the best match in the show. Oh, uh, uh, well, I like the middle a little bit better, but this was this is close number two for me. Yes, I, I like this match. I thought this was the best match in the show because I didn't I didn't really like the main event that much. So, um, you know, but it's that MLW thing where I I think everyone works at about seventy percent, right? Like nobody good workers come to MLW and they give you eighty percent of what they can do. You know, whereas you know because. It's MLW, you know, and, and it's just always how it's been, you know, so um, but this was a good match. You know, I I, I don't know, maybe three and a quarter stars or something That's like fair. that. Just, you know, um, you know, and 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 uh, the, the baby faces win and the commentary was trying to push the idea that Ichiban has like a 98 percent win percentage in the company or whatever it is. So it looks like. You know, he might be in line for a push, whatever that might amount to here. Um, I, you know, there's reports that QT Marshall might be coming in here. We talked about QT before and I forgot to bring that up. So 
it was either um, Fightful or PW Insider, one of them. I can't remember which one, and I'm not, I don't feel like looking it up right now. But um, so I'll just credit both of them. It wasn't it wasn't Meltzer, but um, that MLW was interested in QT Marshall, or he was, or, or the other way around, or whatever it was. So we didn't bring that up earlier, but I mean. He would fit in here. I mean, you know, their roster is awful right now. So it got it got real lean real fast. Real lean. Real honestly, fast. he wouldn't be like the worst thing. Like, look at the taping. Um, look at the did a taping. That, They're doing a paper. Look at this pay per view lineup coming up next week. Yeah, it's 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 not Ricky Shane Page versus Jimmy Lloyd. So this is the one shot show that they have yes. coming up. This will be in New York. So finally, something outside of that. Uh, 2300 arena which it feels like they run every time i watch them is at the same arena every single time and somehow they have rabid fans there. they're like into the storylines right, and everything like event, was the crowd was hot for all 48 minutes yeah. of that match, which is nuts it's wild so the main event is alex kane defending against cardona coming off the angle Yuck. at the end of the show which Don't is going to be garbage because it's yeah Ricky Shane Page versus Jimmy Lloyd uh, for the national title. That is on the short list of Matt. If you told me, write me down a list of the the matches you would least ever want to watch in your entire fucking life. That match is very, very high on that list. Very high. Jimmy Lloyd, and Ricky mean, Shane Page. No, thank you. If you're booking Jimmy Lloyd, you are scraping the bottom of the fucking barrel. I, I, you can't book Jimmy Lloyd. I mean, come on. For a national TV product, um, no. No. No, a quote unquote no. national TV product. They think they are a national TV product, and I guess they technically are, sort of. RSP versus Jimmy Lloyd. That's game changer bullshit, is what that is. <clears throat> um, Satoshi Kojima versus Filthy Tom Law- Tom Lawler is part of he's the, WTF uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. We forgot to mention him before. So he'll face Satoshi Ko- Kojima continues his very interesting 2023 wrestling everywhere. And I'm sure that'll be decent. Uh, Miyu Yamashita, Yamashita, Yamashita. Yamats- How do Yamashita. I say that? Miyu Yamashita. What What is the, this princess of princess? Is that a is that a Tokyo that is Joshi the Pro Tokyo thing? Joshi Pro? Yeah, it's a Tokyo Joshi Pro title. All right. Well, she's facing Delmi Exo, and I'm going to X right out of that one if I'm being honest <laughs> with you. Probably I not be fucking. Uh, I I think Yamashita um, is, is is solid, but uh, uh, Delmi Exo is uh, is not solid. So I will also be Xoing out of that one too. So. Well, I, well, uh, it'll probably be Kawada Masawa compared to Janai Kai uh, versus Maki Ito. So. so if you wanted another match on my list of matches, I definitely do not want to see. It is a <laughs> Janai Kai versus Maki Ito match in uh, MLW. Oh, my, and now I have to sit through Maki Ito, too? Oh, but she, I mean, I don't Joe, have she to. does middle fingers and says, fuck you. You're forgetting the funny part. Oh, I know. It's so edgy. Uh, it's so edgy and funny. She's like yeah. cute, but then she says, fuck you. Is she cute? Oh, I, you know what? It's not my cup of tea. That's fine. I mean, I the get it. The idea is that she's like it. a cute little Joshi, and then that's, she goes, I get, that's fuck the you, and then everybody it. goes, oh, she said farts, and she's a woman. Oh, she's an idol, but she curses and gives right. the finger. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's not for me. Great, um, great shtick that's now gone on for about four years too long, so at least two years too long for sure. Thank God Tony Khan didn't take a liking to it, though, and yeah, have that could have been real bad. That could have been real bad. I mean, thank God. I mean, I can't take it. She's one of my least favorite wrestlers on the planet. I just... She fucking sucks. Um, and then Rocky Romero versus Mascara Dorada. But the thing is, again, are we going to get 100% yeah. effort? No, no, you're going to get 65% at best effort from both men. Like, this is like, look, if this was the main event in Arena Mexico, you're going to be like, well, all right. Yeah. Now right, we're right, cooking right. with, yeah, this is going to be phenomenal, right? 
Like this is going to, the floor is four stars, right? Like, you know, but if this is like match number three, it's probably at on, best the opener or like you said, at best the third match on the show at best, the third, match. right? Like whatever. Yeah. Like on MLW one shot, you know, following up on Maki Ito, you know, I don't know what kind of look it could be. Look, it could be great. And it undoubtedly will be the best match on this show. <laughs> it won't I be mean, great. It won't be great. Come on. <laughs> it could be great. Could. We'll see. You know, here's what I'll say about Rocky Romero, the mover and shaker. He's getting these CMLO guys. He's getting eyes on them all over the place. And he's doing a nice job getting them into AEW, getting them into MLW, uh, taking them all around. It, it, it's, it's good business. And it's good that these guys are getting this kind of exposure and I'm happy for them. And man, if you, if you took that match off of this show, Oh, <laughs> I, this is rough. And I know yeah, I'm going to sit there and watch Lawler it. is like, I like, okay, I, I like not... that match, but it's not exactly, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it works for me and it works for you, but yeah, it's not exactly the sexiest match. You know, you can, you can book. And then the rest of the show is dog shit. Absolute dog shit. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible looking lineup. Um, it, it's rough. And then, um, let's see. They, did they did they they announced for? Oh, I thought they had something announced for uh, the January show, but now I'm not seeing anything. Because I thought we talked about it. Maybe I'm confused. But um, anyway, that's your MLW catch up. The tapings. Cage match is giving me the 404 error. Yeah, because I wanted appears to be down. About... It appears to be down. I, I was browsing too, and it, it appears that there's an error there. So. Nah, we're way over time anyway. But the point, the pointer is, trust me, the roster is fucking. It sucks. <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> the roster stinks, and no yeah. one's no one's wrestling there right now. And yeah, QT Marshall would join that roster and be in the top half, top twenty percent. Interesting people there. Yeah, yeah, instantly. Yeah, and and he and I mean, this is a, the kind of promotion where he could get a push. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's definitely another option for him. You know, um, you know, would he go work for at Billy? I I don't know the answer to that. You know, he could probably get pushed there too. If he just wants to be a top guy. If he wants to be pushed and and wants a a, a chance, an opportunity, a push, whatever, then yeah, he's got to go to MLW or or NWA or something like that. Cause yeah, he's going to walk. He can, he can get an agent job probably tomorrow in WWE if he wants, but you know, I don't know if that's what he wants. So I guess we'll see what the motivation is going to be for him uh, moving forward. But I think we're right. done. Yeah, we are done. So that is it for this episode of the flagship podcast. Again, voices of slash flagship merch is how you're going to be able to get the official, the notebook spiral notebook, as well as other flagship and flagship Patreon merch. Again, voices of slash flagship merch. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us at flagship Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling or Voices of Wrestling.com slash Patreon. Also go to Voices of Wrestling.com for previews, reviews, columns of all this stuff that we have talked about today. As is it for us. So for Joe, I am Rich. We will talk to you next time on the Flagship Podcast. Take care. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself... How many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? 
And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.